North-South Connection. It is Friday once again, and you know what that means. It is time for episode 10, double digits of You Know What That Means, the AEW podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Duncan, and with me, as always, is our co-host, your favorite and mine, Andrew Reich. Andrew, what is up, man? Hey, what's going on? Uh, I was just watching the Big Bang Theory, like, randomly on a Wednesday, and dynamite popped up it was oh, really strange that's hot <laughs> so wonder woman's not the I, lead I, I anymore i don't know if anybody knows that but i do a, i have a big bang theory uh fan devotion podcast as well <laughs> that i use now i gotta do double duty i think you might you, you might be the only one who has a big bang theory fan, fan podcast no, but i will say this um and brandon this is credit to brandon thurston who always does the daily ratings uh things for the because uh, he does not just the wrestling program ratings he compares them to the ones that actually get the biggest cable ratings yeah and big bang theory reruns actually get very good ratings for some yeah, reason. big bang theory it's such a bizarre phenomenon like how big of a success that show was because like i don't know anyone who watched it it's gonna be it's gonna turn to the new office or friends or seinfeld yeah i mean like in 20 years people are gonna be remember like Rewatching it a bazillion times, but it, it's so weird to say the Big Bang Theory is probably the best lead-in that AEW Dynamite has ever had in its history. <laughs> right. Well, I, I kind of made the joke. I feel like half of the Dynamites were Wonder Woman on TNT. Wonder like, Woman, or the Equalizer, yep. or the Equalizer Two, yep. or the the Dwayne Johnson Monkey Movie Rampage, <laughs> or the other Dwayne Johnson Monkey Movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's random. And then, and then we had already discussed how it was. Got, it got a little complicated when the NHL yep. television deal kicked in on, on Turner because they were airing live on the West Coast, and it was kind of they had. Well, AEW had to move. Yeah, they lost their, their West fights. Coast feed. Sometimes. Yeah, and that hurts your rating because it airs at five p.m. in that case instead of seven p.m. on a delay yep. in prime time, and so. When they move to TBS, none of that issue is is there anymore because they're away from TNT, uh, and the rating back went back up to one million for the the TBS premiere, and it dipped a little bit. Uh, but the eighteen to forty nine demo between Raw and, and Dynamite uh, from the most recent week was a tie. Uh, Raw had like two thousand more viewers if you look at the raw, like the real data. But it, it from a rating standpoint, it was a point three nine. It was a tie. Wow. So um, it's and and I don't think it's going to be any. I think it's going to be just as close this time because I think this is the only. Well, the national championship game in college football was that Monday night as well. Yep. So yeah, and there's a. A Monday night, and then there's playoff a Monday night game. Football. Yeah, yeah, it's the first one ever, so it's going to get a bananas rating. I think it's. I am so out of loop with the playoffs since the Saints aren't in it. Who yeah. who is it? Yeah, so we're uh, live peak. This is dropping on a Friday, but we're taping the night of it. Is Matthew Stafford and the Rams taking on the the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, so as a resident Detroit guy, uh, I have followed Stafford and the Rams, and uh, I hope he gets his first playoff win ever. I hate. I still hate the Rams for. Um, the 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 uh, the oh, non yeah the yeah. pass interference that wasn't <laughs> I'm a Saints fan for those who don't know so yeah. the Tommy Lee Lewis play I, it, it's a forever scarred in my mind I yeah it's I pretty egregious <laughs> I feel like every year in the playoffs we get one game though that's like it, what's left is not the memory oh what a game but oh what a what a moment what a we almost had moment. it last night yeah with the Cowboys. Almost. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with the NFL football, but that that just reeked of like you remember over the edge '98. <laughs> that just reeked of just manipulation. It's like yeah. we got to give the Cowboys another. We got to give them another possession. There's got to be a way to get in the ball with less than a, less than a minute to go, and they've concocted this way, but they still screwed it up. Yes, our apologies to uh, our friend. Uh, Scott Criscola over at the Place to Be Nation, a longtime Cowboys fan. Even though he's not from Dallas, uh, he's been a Cowboys fan as long as I've known him, so probably a lot longer than that even. So I know he was hurting in uh, one of the sports chats last night, and people were piling on the poor guy because uh, his Cowboys <laughs> lost. So uh, at least he's and got a good those, team. And for know. those people who like say, oh, Keith Mitchell and Kevin Dunn, why do they always show these fan reactions? It's so lame. Nobody cares about the fans. I'm like, yeah, look at all the recaps of the Cowboy game. What do you see? All the crying fans on, <laughs> right. on the show. I saw it's, on Twitter, like, like, collages of them. <laughs> it's as they call good shit. Yep. That's what they call good yep. shit. Yep. Uh, so, Andrew, we're doing a little different style tonight. I, I guess we should say, for anyone who's listening for the first time, you joined us in episode 10. Uh, thanks for finding us. Um, if Thank this you. is your first time finding us, we do appreciate the download and the time, uh, because I think one of the most valuable things we have is time. So to give us your time, uh, we really do appreciate it. But we are an AEW podcast, and for our first nine episodes, we've kind of been recap, not like... I don't want to say a recap show because we don't do move by move, hold by hold, but we go over each show and kind of talk about the results. We're going to change it up a little bit tonight and do a little bit more free flow topics rather than specific match results. And we'll get into match results as the conversation goes. So uh, either this is going to click and this might be how we go moving forward, or this is going to bomb and we'll go right back to our original format starting with episode (laughs) 11. No, I, I, I think we, I think we have enough uh, for the topics at hand. Anyway, I right. mean, there was a lot of, res- I mean, the shows were the shows. So, right. like where we left off was pretty much at the new year. Like the last rampage, the rampage that was that finished off the new year was the, the like the first show after we recorded that mm-hmm. uh, that we hadn't discussed. So pretty much everything from then on in. But yeah. you know, D- Dynamite, like we had mentioned, debuted on TBS. You yep. know, huge opening match between Heyman Page and Brian Danielson for the title in a rematch where if it went to a time limit draw, there was going to be judges. Uh, and they never revealed it bef- leading up to the match, but the judges at the uh, when they actually decided when the match took place was I think it was Paul White. Mark Henry and Jerry Lynn. Yep. Yep. And uh, it, but it didn't get to that point because uh, Hangman Page pinned Danielson after about 28 minutes. <laughs> Freaking awesome, bloody war of a match. Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. So, and then uh, I, I think Danielson did not appear on Dynamite the next week. So he's no, he did not licking his wounds right. and re reshuffling and uh, uh, recalibrating. I guess so. We'll see. What and he and then, that might be his then, first Dynamite that he's missed since debuting with the company, actually. I want to say it may have been the show after Winter is Coming. He missed that too. Okay, but I could. I, th- I might be wrong about that. Yeah, maybe he just I had like be, a backstage thing or something. That. But yeah, correct. It, it but, feels like not having a Danielson match was like, oh wow, we didn't get one this week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or even cut a promo because I mean right. Danielson's gotten to a point where he can just he can just basically go out there and do like a microphone segment, and it's just as compelling. Yep, because you know that if he gets if. You know, if someone steps up to him, he's going to beat the crap out of him. Right, so. right. And then sandwiched in between was the Battle of the Belts, which I got to tell you, I was kind of disappointed. I thought it, I thought I, it was a I big letdown. I know it was down. one hour. You don't have, and they had to do a, they had to do a, a switcheroo because of uh, Co- Cody, Cody yeah. Rhodes contracted coronavirus. COVID Rhodes, yeah. <laughs> COVID Rhodes. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, so they switched it, and then Dustin um Rhodes took his place uh for like almost like UFC the interim yeah. TNT championship with Sammy Guevara. We'll talk. I mean, it was a really good match with some with a crazy spot where I think Dustin Rhodes put Sammy Guevara from the apron to the table, did a Canadian destroyer, which was nuts. But um, fun match. Sammy won the interim, but Cody is still. Uh, MIA trying yeah. to recover from COVID, and then and some other the, reasons, perhaps. And then big news dropped, which is what kind of flipped the format for yeah. us. Yeah, we'll we'll go right into that. Uh, Fightful dot com. Sean Ross Sapp, by the way, is like this guy's taking over the. He's the Woj. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the Woj. Like uh, Dave Meltzer, I mean, it's so crawled weird. so he could run. <laughs> now I've I've followed Sean Ross Sapp for a while. Like, and I, it's not been like years and years and years and years. It's not like Wade Killer and Dave Meltzer. Yeah, but it, it it feels like it feels like when it comes to the more current news. That I, it's almost like Chris Morrison. He always was the guy who always seemed to get the scoops. Like yeah. when you were younger, when it was like the, there was less access to like to like the internet and Twitter and stuff. And then there was this new generation that popped up of the Adam Schefters and the Wojanowskis yep. and um, and uh, I don't even uh, who's that? Uh, Ian Rappaport. Ian Rappaport. Yep. Yeah, like they kind of crop popped up, and that's what Sean Sapp has become. Mm-hmm. He's like the internet news scooper yeah or the twitter the social media wrestling news scooper yeah and And if he reports it it, here's here's where i liken him the woge if he reports it it's absolutely 100 percent true yep this is the guy i think that broke was he the one that broke cm punk coming to AEW? he did yes and then danielson he couldn't get a confirmation and it actually got broken by a site called ringside news Mm. so that nobody was sure was legitimate or not because they didn't really have too much backing up to that point but it turned out both stories were true and both those news dropped on the same day i think it was in june maybe two months or three months before all of it happened wild yeah it was it was insane yeah uh, so, anyways, Sean Rossep of Fightful dot uh, com, and he's got like a paywall, so it's like a Patreon site, you know. But you can Fightful follow him on Slack, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, he reported today that Cody Rhodes has been working as a free agent while holding the TNT Championship, uh, which has kind of uh, opened the door for some speculation. Because what would wrestling be without wild, rampant speculation? Uh, I think the most interesting question I saw somebody ask is. Is he working as a free agent wrestler, or does that also include his EVP duties as well? Like, is he just full-on free agent, like he's not even working for the company, or is he just not an on-air talent? And I think once we get an answer to that, that'll clear up a whole lot. But since it's not clear yet, let's speculate, Andrew. (laughs) So what do we think this means? Okay, so I think what this means is that his contract being – this is just my two cents Mm – that his contract of every involvement with – all elite wrestling has expired okay and that when they negotiated because there was already news that popped up i think last fall that the young bucks had signed an extension mm-hmm. um i don't remember what kenny omega i want to say he signed an extension as well because if the news had popped up that he had expired i'm sure sap would have gotten that too yeah I don't, so, I don't remember so i would assume he just did you know like <laughs> now he now there are strings attached he had he probably has talk about Cody Rhodes he probably has along with his wife Brandy a separate agreement for not only the reality show that he does for TNT which is Rhodes to the top which also has AEW people involved in it because obviously it's a reality show based on his life and his career he also co-hosts a uh, uh, 
the Go Big Show. <laughs> the, uh, the, well, now they should get the Big Show to replace Cody Rhodes on the Go <laughs> yeah. Big Show. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, so there, I, wa- I don't know if those contracts or agreements are separate. I would assume that they are. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's not foreign that uh, that a WWE personality would have a Turner deal or a turn or a personality that works with AEW does WWE. You know, Chris Jericho did the Broken Skull session. John Cena does Wipeout. I remember a decade ago, didn't The Rock do a reality show on TNT called The Hero? So, the, yeah, it, I thought it was NBC. It's not the end of the world. Like, it's not, there are a lot. There is a lot of like corporate crossover that happens and it just seems to be coincidental whereas with cody i do think the fact that he has other ventures tied into time warner might be an influencing factor but i do think that in terms of just his direct involvement with tony khan with all elite wrestling even with the evp status that basically they didn't they came to an impasse they couldn't get a deal done and now He's just going to use this potential that he might go elsewhere as leverage. I yeah. mean, this is this is how free agency works. And I it's mean, funny I'm because junkie, you're a sports junkie. This is how free agency works. It's funny because on TV, MJF, part of his character has been talking openly about 2024 when he's a free agent. He might just leave and go to WWE and now right. in we real life. Yeah. That, like how smart is it to do that kayfabe? Because we, because it, it, he, he's trying to like, because he's feuding with CM Punk, and he's trying to basically create this mirror, this like mirroring of CM Punk's edginess. Yeah. So Punk got his, not his big push. I mean, he was a star before the pipe bomb, but he really went into mega stardom when he did the pipe bomb, and there was this real like play on reality that his deal was coming up. The difference here, and let's be real, the WWE would never ever let a free agent a uh, a wrestler a performer not under an official bound per date contract do a show just no way in hell i just don't believe it let alone hold a title (laughs) maybe there's per diem type of wrestlers where it's like hey let's bring you in for this one night but you have to do what we book you to do this is different i don't know maybe they can pay cody per date i don't know about the details of that but um, I would assume that he wants guaranteed money, which yeah. is why WWE is probably sniffing around to poach him away. Which, by the way, I think someone on the show last uh, episode predicted. I did. Yeah, I didn't think it'd be Cody. <laughs> that there was going to be a poaching by the WWE yeah, that, that of an somebody, AEW Somebody would leave. We'd see sort of this, the, the, the scales tip the other way. It feels like everyone's jumping to get out of WWE and no one's left AEW for WWE yet, not on a major scale. And so my prediction was that, that we'd see that this year. And I didn't think we're by so the next episode with, we'd be talking about it already. Because <laughs> we're so obsessed with Tony Khan and the forbidden door, we right. forgot about the back door. Right. And exactly. it, it feels like Cody's trying to sneak out the back door. Right. You know what's funny is I, I when I read this, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, I read the report that Cody's free agent, and my mind immediately went to the the rumors that have also been floating that WWE is trying to do a forbidden door type thing with a Rumble appearance, and that there's no names that really have been floated out that yet, but that WWE is trying to do something big with They're a quote forbidden around. door. They're trying to get impact talent like Mickey James, some maybe a Ring of Honor person that we're not thinking of well, right now. Yeah, that's what yeah. we all thought, but then you hear this news about Cody Rhodes. It's like. Well, if he's not contracted to AEW, why can't he show up at the Royal Rumble? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, Christian Cage did it. Right? I now, mean, Christian Cage was not already working at AEW. Right. He signed with AEW because he felt like he had a better opportunity there. Right. Yeah, he went to the Rumble, and then WWE, I think they used him on Raw a couple times and basically didn't have him in any matches, and then he just went to AEW full-time. Um, yeah. But it, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting that this story comes out when that's also a story separately. I, I wouldn't, if you were to ask me what's my prediction, I don't think Cody Rhodes is going to be in the Royal Rumble. I don't think so. But crazier things have happened, you know. <laughs> I, I'm an NBA guy, and, you know, I do the NBA team with Adam Murray, and I, maybe it's just because I'm, I, I've been through this process so many times with different players and just so much, like, relocation and people flipping teams and switching teams. Mm-hmm. And I do understand – I do feel that there is a player entitlement there and that and also to liken it to this discussion a wrestler entitlement where there is a point for every player no matter how big of a star how big of an ego how how downtrack how how much people have crapped all over your game or your career as a wrestler there is a point where if you're in demand you would like to be wanted yeah and that's a situation with Cody Rhodes where I feel empathy, where I feel like, you know what, man, go like just like Kevin Owens resigning with the WWE and everybody crapped, oh, you're ruining it. You're never going to get the push they promised you. That man got his money. Mm-hmm. Be happy he got his money. This is not a business like in the NBA or in Major League Baseball where you can just engineer a trade um, unless there's something in the workings that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there is, you know. Uh, like, if there was a trade, like, what would be a proper trade for Cody Rhodes? Right. It'd have to be a sign and trade. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, maybe draft picks. Maybe they get some more NXT guys. Braun Breaker yeah, is all elite. NXT guys <laughs> and, um, you know what, give me Finn Balor. Yeah, Tony Khan's <laughs> like, hey, you know, we're, we're just missing Roderick, you know, could we send him over? <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and an NXT or your, an NXT talent to be named later or something yeah. like that. Vince McMahon yeah. said, not my Roderick, which that's a Diary of a Wimpy Kid joke. I, I, think the idea of the, I think the idea of what WWE's trying to do with this whole, like, let's open the gate, open the floodgates for the other promotions thing to try to give them, to try to put some pizzazz on our Royal Rumble is basically we're going to make it look like we're playing along along with everybody else except for them. Yep. Because they're the enemy. Yep. And it kind of came out in that press conference, that not press conference, but the press release where there was an article about the battle between AEW and WWE. Mm -hmm. And it was from a a publication called the star.com. I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't know if that's the Toronto Star or like a British publication. I don't know. But there was a quote that popped out, uh, which was surprising because the only time I think the AEW, other than Vince McMahon a couple of times, was like talking about blood and guts uh, and, and, and uh, another time with a, in a shareholders conference when he was asked the question. The only time I think they ever did a press release talking about AEW like directly was when they congratulated them on their big rating when they first premiered. Yeah. Uh, in uh, October 2019, but then they had this one that was far more like slanderous and yeah. more holier than thou. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you want me to read it? Sure. 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 This is what they said. 
If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women in the December 31st event on TNT, it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses. We had an edgier product in the Attitude Era. In, in a 2022 world, we don't believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. So basically their fancy way of saying uh, these guys are brutes and out-of-date barbarians and we're... Uh, more sophisticated product. Basically, AEW is going to ruin your kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Which, I think way, I think the, I think the, the have his eye poked out. Exactly. I think the thing that they really want AEW to ruin is uh, it's not appealing to network sponsors. In other words, like they really want to maybe drop money away from AEW. But what a what a foolish statement, man! Like Vince McMahon did this with uncensored. Remember when he mm-hmm. like crapped all over WCW sent a like strongly worded letter to Ted Turner about how it was too edgy and how they needed to tone it down and all this stuff and he sent it as like a public letter to try to like basically create some kind of buzz yeah. I'm sure this was very very premeditated yep. and I just like I, I'm gonna be honest I just like the fact they even acknowledged the, the they're talking about the match that self mutilate they're talking about the match between Ty Conti and uh, Anna J teaming up against the Bunny and Penelope Ford, and yeah. they had a uh, uh, like a, a street fight uh, to uh, to blow off their feud, and oh, it was a bloody war! It yeah. was it very was bloody. That was on the New Year's Eve rampage. It was unbelievable. Yep. And I I looked this up. The YouTube video that recaps that, which has a, vi- a screen cap of of Allie the Bunny, just absolutely gushing covered in blood it has one million views so does it does it turn away sponsors and maybe <laughs> network partners yes the general public no they love blood they love this right. stuff they like the violence so i i hate to say but that is something that people turn to but i mean i'm sure we could pivot this back to cody somehow but um <laughs> well but i mean yeah. the last big cody match we saw he set himself on fire by jumping through a table so I mean, I guess it's not blood, but it's still a, a violent spectacle. No, know. but we had the one big question about Cody maybe a couple months ago, and we did talk about how one problem that does stick out with Cody Rhodes is that he he was almost like a man without a country, that yeah. he was such a prototype of what he built himself up to be in the WWE. He merged he, he or he morphed himself into something different or evolved into something different on the independent scene. But mm-hmm. he is a bit of a throwback. He is also a guy that doesn't um, go out there and try to do edgy things. Um, I mean, he, he, you you talk about all the high spots he does to, for those blow off matches, but that's within the context of like a, of a wrestling. It match. builds and to it, yeah. It builds to it. Whereas for his persona, his character, he I wouldn't call him squeaky clean, but he's the kind of he's the kind of personality that he you can interchange it like if he walked into wwe it would they you wouldn't have to change a thing right you know the thing is like like maybe get that neck tattoo removed but (laughs) (laughs) yeah the nightmare family you know brandy's another weird part of that because i think brandy was also a member of talent relations does that Mm -hmm. does that mean that she's on the outs that's that gets really interesting too like if she's on the outs who's the replacement is it william regal like, yeah, I mean, now he's, you, he's free now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you reshuffling the front office? It's kind of, you know, uh, that that's that's a whole can of worms that I don't want to talk about because it's just too much. Sure. Uh, much spec- that's a lot of speculation. Yeah. <laughs> but when it but when it comes to um, but when it comes to Cody, like, 
You know, the courtship, I understand it. Like, you know, this is a guy who he was told, you're never going to be anything more than Stardust. Yep. And he he basically fired WWE. Yep. He, he told them, look, I can do better than this. And he went out and he proved it, and he became this asset for AEW. A legitimate draw, yeah. A legitimate draw. But, Jordan, here's the difference, and we talked about this. Is he an indispensable asset at AEW? And the answer is no. No. Yeah. And that's where this the intrigue is kicking in because Cody's probably thinking, oh, okay, they don't value me as much as I thought they did. I'm going to show them how valuable I am. Right. So I, I, I think one other way to look at it too is with Cody and, and especially with the Bucks. Like if you follow the Bucks on Twitter, like nothing they put on social media is accidental. Like every word, every punctuation, everything is intentional. So you have to wonder, was this leaked intentionally? Is this going to just play? Is, is there no, like, I don't think that it's a false report, you know, like, I don't think Sean Ross Sapp would file, would, would report something or get worked or anything like that. And, and that's why I, that's why I think there's credence because I don't think they would put the seriousness into this if it was just, oh, it's an angle Cause, yeah. or, and, and you got, and Sean Sapp got played. Yeah. I well, I'm not saying that it's an that. angle so much as it, maybe it's a true thing that they let get out because it builds more of that heel heat towards Cody. Now the fans know he doesn't even work here and he could leave at any moment. Like, are they trying to generate this? You know, we've speculated that maybe he's fighting hard to change the momentum. Is he actually wanting this heel reaction? Like, is have we been wrong all along and this is the, the, the path that he's wanted to go down and he's working the crowd, like, really in a masterful way by making them hate him? Like, because... I, I feel like a report like this, you know, AEW fans who read the internet, and that's probably most of them, are going to go to the next show. If he's there, they're going to know he's not like, quote unquote, an AEW guy right now, and they might move even more. This happened with Rob. Here's the funny thing. When Robbie and Dan did Mr. Monday Night, do you remember this? Oh, yeah, way back so, in the day. So for those who don't know, uh, Rob Van Dam was basically like put in an angle where he was like a young up-and-coming wrestler in ECW, but he took the money in the WWF. Mm-hmm. So he appeared on these um, on on Raw to like showcase himself to try to like basically get out of Paul Heyman's shadow. But here's the trick: that was a character that that was like an angle that Paul Heyman had created. At the end of the day. Rob Van Dam was an employee of ECW. Yeah. Same same deal with or an independent contractor with ECW. Same deal with the NWO. At the end of the day, the the contract on Scott Hall and Kevin Nash uh, deal reads World Championship Wrestling. Yeah. The thing that's really fascinating about this is that it, it, it's almost as if what if CM Punk had done that at Money in the Bank and he actually didn't sign an extension. Yeah. Right. That's. It, <laughs> That's that's kind of where we're at right now, and that's why I think this is a little unprecedented. I mean, I'm sure this has happened in some way, shape, or form where a deal went over. It all it happened basically with Adam Cole. Um, I'm sure it happened with a really big name star. At oh, some I mean, point. think about this. Like, it's not necessarily the same, but when Ric Flair first came to WWF, and he had the NWA title belt, that was because he had a deposit on it. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, I mean, it's similar to that in the sense that he really just. Uh, took their mistake and this could be just a mistake in the aw office like maybe they just aren't doing their due diligence in terms of getting those contracts renewed or extended like they should here's the funniest thing and this and you know what i'm I'm gonna be able to link this to the press release and this shows that there's that wwe is sweating it so for those those fan bases especially the wwe fans to say 
They wouldn't cheapen themselves. WWE, they wouldn't cheapen themselves like that. They wouldn't just bring this guy out with the TNT Championship just to make, just to give AEW the attention. <laughs> They're not that petty. And I would say you don't know WWE as well as you think, right? Because they'll, they'll do anything to weaken the opponent. To weaken That's the opponent, because one, they'll get Cody tossed, and two, to make them look like kind of cool. like we're in on this Forbidden Door thing too, guys. You know, like they're in on what everybody else is doing too. Because you know? there was that false flag about New Japan in the summer, mm-hmm. which Tony Khan called them out on. The only thing that's scary is that when that happened, I think it was right before Doubler, uh, yeah, Double or Nothing, the one that was in Daly's place in front of fans. And he called out Tony Khan. He called him a con man. Mm-hmm. This one, what have you heard from AEW's front office on Twitter? You know, Tony Khan, Big Swole, um, who um, let her contract expire or got released. She called out Tony Khan and a couple of the – some of the, the culture in the AEW about how they don't give minority wrestlers a chance. We could talk about that at length at some other point. I think it deserves more – Yeah, more than just more time glossing over. But my point is that Tony Khan went right at it. It was actually a Fightful news source yep. that he relinked, and he went right at it and said a pretty ugly thing about – Big yeah, Swole's not a good ability to wrestle. It was a, it, it, he he took the bait. He could he bet. could have said everything he said and left out that last sentence about how she was just bad, and it right. would have been fine. Like he basically said, "I'm you know I'm brown skinned, uh, I I own the company," and he listed you know multiple people uh, of color who've won on TV in the past couple months. And he could have it wouldn't have satisfied people, but he could have said, "Hey, look, from our perspective, we are doing some of these things." But then he had to add that little dig. And it, when whenever you're punching down, it, it's not a good look, you know. No, especially in today's culture where exactly. people are. People are more than ready to jump on you for for being yep. uh yep. for trying to kick someone while while they're down. But the whole point of this is Tony Khan. How much have you heard from him since this broke? Nothing. Yeah, I've heard nothing. Now Cody Rhodes is cutting a promo on Dynamite Wednesday. Obviously, that generates intrigue. What's he going to say? Right. What's, he, what's the promo about? That creates ratings. So. Controversy creates cash, as Eric Bischoff yeah. said. So, so what you're saying is Eric Bischoff's going to debut on Dynamite? <laughs> <laughs> Eric Bischoff's been on Dynamite and Raw. I think he's one of the only one of the few people that's done that. Um, didn't he do the wedding between? I, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Bischoff was on Dynamite. He he did the he was the moderator for a debate between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Oh gosh, that's, yeah, that's a I remember that. That's a minute ago. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, let's talk about some more stuff that's going on, but I think that's the biggest thing, and that's still fairly new. So, if, you know, again, we record a few days before we drop. Uh, by the time this comes out, we'll have had heard that Cody promo on Dynamite, and there might be a lot more answers than what we've talked about tonight. So for those listening who may be banging their heads and saying, oh, well, no, it's this, we're talking before it happens, you know? <laughs> so uh, we're just kind of looking through the fog. Give me still. your uh, give me your endgame prediction just based off of the knowledge we have. I think he stays with the AEW. Um, I think I think he leverages it into a into a, a better deal. But I really do believe there's some truth to Cody trying to step out of the full time wrestling role. So maybe that's what it is. I think that he's going to maybe re rework his contract to where it's more heavy on the backstage side, and he'll be more of a influencer. Uh, yeah, like a specialty performer. You know. I, I agree. I think I think at the end of the day he stays there, but he will have a more pronounced role. Yeah. Even though, which will make him an even bigger heel because he'll basically he will become what he hated. 
Because right. remember, when he debuted a Double or Nothing, he destroyed the throne of Triple H, the King of Kings. Yeah. And now look what he's doing. He's basically Triple H'ing himself yeah. and faking <laughs> himself into, he the, is. Yeah. into the company by by not not holding it hostage. I want, because, well, like I said, and you know, people, you can come after me if um um if uh. You feel if, if anybody feels differently, but like I just don't think he's an indip- indispensable asset. Is no, I don't he, either. Is he is he a pioneer of the company? Absolutely. Without him, it doesn't happen. But yeah. there's a there's a few people that I, I mean I can name at least three or four where without them it doesn't work. Yeah, I do and think some of them. Some of them arrived well after Cody Rhodes did, which I know creates resentment. Yeah. It has to. Yeah. I think the bigger issue with him is if he were to leave, if it were to 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 be a falling out that's not a, you know, where a bridge is burned. Like you said, he's not indispensable in terms of an on-screen character, but I do think then you risk losing Dustin and Arn and a lot of that influence because uh, Cody's got you know his guys and just like the 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 elite have their guys, it's kind of like legitimate real life factions backstage too yes. you know what i mean so yeah it, it, we talked about this i think like very sparingly on a previous episode like because we were talking about how that uh beatles documentary came out on disney mm-hmm. um which was about how i'm not a beatles fan but um basically it was about their last recordings of their last album yeah and it's basically you can create great music you can have a great basketball team you don't have to get along sure you know yeah. in fact you could fucking hate each other and do some great stuff and AEW, i think is just so talented on the top from the top to the bottom that they can do this stuff and not everybody's on the same page. It's just almost spontaneously great. Um, but that, that well does not always stay wet. Like there is a point where it's like, all right, we're really having like almost a Brett Sean scenario where it's like, all right, we're having a real impasse here. These guys don't want to work with each other. And now it's getting in the way of the product. Mm -hmm. And I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that kind of friction doesn't get baked in. If Cody basically leverages himself into basically a more prominent role, people are like, oh, how, how did he get this opportunity? And I mean, listen, everybody wants everybody's job or everybody's goal in every business is to elevate themselves to a higher level. Yep. And in I the wrestling understand. business, there's not a whole lot of space there. And nothing is promised to you. Mm-hmm. So if you can get it in – it's just like when Roman Reigns came back and turned heel. If you can get it in writing – this is what I want. Good for you, man. Yep. Like, that's all I can say. Yep. All right. Let's uh, talk about some of our other notes. Uh, we mentioned the big swole thing, and not that we want to ignore it, but I think that's a bigger discussion that I think almost we maybe we need to devote an entire episode to. Not necessarily the, the Tony Khan tweet, but but what Big Swole said in terms of representation with AEW. Um, I think that's a full conversation. Because maybe we they, even bring they, someone else in to talk with us about that. Because uh, to generalize it, a lot of the things she said, might have a lot of truth to it. Yep. Yep. It, you know, not yeah, maybe not all of it. Maybe some of it is paranoia. Right. But there's a lot there that that has real credence. Oh, you that, and I have in our text exchanges, we have said that you know for quite some time. Um, but for for those who are listening, if you're wondering why we're not talking about it, we're kind of waiting. And uh, you know, I also think two white guys talking about you know the race issue right. might not be the best thing. So maybe yeah. maybe we get a better voice to to come in and. Uh, give us some perspective, and we listen rather than talk. So, uh, but I do think it's a big issue that uh, 
does need to be addressed in AEW, and I think it's something that WWE actually probably does a little better, um, although they didn't have a good look with a lot of their releases, including Mustafa Ali, who just asked for his release. A lot of the releases in the past month or two from WWE have been minorities, people of color, not necessarily African-American, but just uh, they minorities. They have one particular yeah. set of releases that was like very specifically yeah. black wrestlers. Yeah. Like, um, it was like Keith Lee and... Yeah, uh, almost and like yeah, the, yeah, the hit and, row guys were gone. and Yeah, Shane Strickland, who mm-hmm. I think I just announced that he's popping up on an indie show soon. Yeah, he, so. he released some weird video where he's like it, leaning out the passenger side of a car with a mask on, shooting a gun. So I, yeah. I don't know what it's funny is. you bring that up because we're at that point now. These releases trickled out. You talked about Ali. Mm-hmm. There was another one not very long ago. It was just one. Oh, it was Tony Storm, who we talked about. Yeah. But we're at that point where those ninety-day no competes are Should be pretty coming up. much done. Yeah. And so, so now you're guessing. All right, they can't all go to AEW. Right. Like, <laughs> like for reasons that are for a bounty of reasons like number one like if aw signs literally every single ex wwe person you turn into tna right you basically turn into the the island of misfit toys and that doesn't always work that that doesn't always work out well and also it's just the financial standpoint you can't fit them all like they, there's right. just not enough room to like fit these people especially if you have expirings coming up like you know johnny gargano is still out there so we don't know what's going on with him um you know uh kevin steen kevin owens was out was was kind of going back and forth before he decided to re-sign. But I think the ones that have been the real beneficiaries are some of those independents that have really struggled through the pandemic. Like, um, I mean, Ring of Honor rip, but it's supposed to be coming back in April. Yeah. So we'll see that. GCW, Game Changer Wrestling, is doing really well for themselves. Oh, man. And, and, I, and Impact Wrestling. So I just missed uh, – I, I didn't get to go, but Game Changer did a show here in Detroit last weekend. And do you know who they brought in? Think Detroit. Jay. Think Detroit. Oh, um, Big Daddy Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kevin Nash appeared on Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, he did not get sliced up with a pizza cutter. You know who else was on that show? Ricky Morton. Ancient old Ricky Morton wrestled on that show. I remember when Ricky Morton did a destroyer on one of the uh, Proud and Powerful guys. Yeah. And uh, did, on he, AEW. And you remember when they did the thing? This is really going back, but with the the House Hardy, the, the delete uh Broken Matt yes. Hardy saga. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Oh, gosh. When they yeah. had the match in the field yeah. or in the warehouse. Yes. <laughs> Ricky Morton still fighting. Now. But look, G- look, GCW, they're about to do a big show in Hammerstein Ballroom. The only thing that's fascinating, and maybe it's because he was the K-Fave GCW champion, he just wanted to do the honors before he came back to AEW. John Moxley is going to do a match before yep. he goes back to AEW. Yep. And now I'm starting to wonder, you know what? Maybe John Moxley is kind of sort of thinking maybe there's life after AEW. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard from him, or obviously his issues go beyond yeah, wrestling, yeah, so yeah, maybe it's... better himself on a personal level. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe we'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm looking at our notes. I think this is a good way to transition right into this, is uh, you asked the question, impact in AEW, relationship no more. There was that kind of the thing with the uh, Gallows and Anderson, and obviously Kenny had... Um, Oh gosh, why Don Callis? I was almost blanked on his name. He was name. the belt collector. Yeah, the belt collector. Belt collector. And, and then yes. even Christian won that belt before he yes, finally on, lost on it. On Rampage, the very first episode of Rampage. Mm-hmm. But you know, since then, I mean, it really never benefited a uh, Impact all that well. 
Uh, and now, really, there doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, working with impact in AEW. I think uh, after Bound for Glory, when Josh Alexander won the belt off of Christian, that was, that was the swim-off young fish situation. Yeah. You know, I have no idea. Bird. I have yeah. no idea who runs Impact now, like behind these. I, is, I don't Scott, know if it's Scott Demore does everything. It is. But Callus out. Kudos to that guy for surviving as long as that company has. Like, it's like kind of a joke that they're the cockroach of the industry, but that company just doesn't die. It does no. not. I mean, there's a podcast on this network called TNA Never Dies. And that was TNA. Yeah. <laughs> now they're Impact and they've outlasted so, they outlasted Ring of Honor, like as of right now. Um, yeah. But the reason I mentioned that is because there might be some. Now we're an AEW show, but with the forbidden door that AEW touts so often, uh, Impact and Ring of Honor, uh, there's sort of a Ring of Honor invasion at Hard to Kill with Impact. So it was are the Ring of Honor guys kind of swooping in and taking that AEW relationship? Could be interesting, you know. Yeah, and, and Ring of Honor, like I had mentioned, they they really do want to go forward with this April show, but it's ironic because. <clears throat> Ring of Honor, they basically when they when they really like um, radicalized into what it became when it was at the top of its fandom. I think it was because it it veered away from TNA because yeah. it was like we're not like we're not like that Jeff Jarrett company. We're yeah. not um, yeah. we're not gonna we're, we're a not good wrestling that company. Yeah. But here's the funny thing. Do you know how Ring of Honor is literally surviving by the smallest thread of life <laughs> by being on Impact Television? Yep. Yep. It's so ironic. That's it's all wild. I have to say. And what's even too like look at all the guys over the years that went worked in both companies. You got Joe, you got AJ, you got like um Austin Aries and Sabin. Joe is a free agent. I don't know what's gonna yeah, happen with that. Yeah, I mean I feel like there's so much stuff to talk about. Like and we we try to stick to AEW because we did all wrestling. I, I just think we'd have to do a daily show, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> But, I mean, like, uh, essentially, WWE released a lot of backstage NXT people. I mean, if you're AEW, you have to at least call William Regal, right? And it'd be like, hey, you want, you want to come? Regal, maybe Joe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would like it. I mean, but it's, listen, I don't run the company. Tony Khan does. Right. And, uh, and his dad. So, like, if they want to do it, hey, go for it. Um, uh, Ace Steel, I would have to imagine he'll show up there, so, especially since he's with close Punk. with CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's some kind of backstage thing. Um, uh, a one who actually left because he knew that a cut, the cuts were coming down, was Scott Taylor, uh, aka Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah. So maybe he'll swoop in there because of his relationship with Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson. So like, there's yeah. like, it, it, who knows? But like, like we had talked about, you don't want to be too much of like a hanger on or like a pawn shop situation where yep. it's like we're just gonna have these like hand-me-downs and former WWE guys, and we're just going to try to do a lesser-than version of it, but just a little bloodier, a little more cursing. I, I There's got to be this, like, almost, like, trigger uh, or self-defense mechanism of, like, we can't keep hiring all these ex-WWE people. Right. I understand everybody worked there, but these people that are being let go, this is the saddest part about just WWE in general, is that the people that they've let go in the last year, and they always say, "Oh, cuts always happen." WWE, they are cutting people that have worked at that company for the last in the last like twelve months. They have cut people that have worked there for literally like ten to twenty years. Yeah, I mean, William Regal's been there for Mike all, Keogh, all of the two thousands, I believe. Yeah, at they, least. they they got rid of the referee that had been. Dude, I was twelve years old when he was a referee. <laughs> <laughs> So. It's something, but maybe they're just clearing yeah, up that space. 
There's a lot of big and little fish out there. Wait, we just of... did we just figure something out? Are they clearing up the cap space so they can sign Cody? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're gonna have to go into the tax. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like, luxury tax. I mean, I don't know. If there's a I don't know. If there's a hard cap or a soft cap in uh in in professional wrestling. I would imagine that WWE has a like a like a like a soft cap, mm-hmm. and AEW has like this kind of like smaller hard yeah. cap where it's like. And that's that's what that's what I'm trying to get at with like a lot of the released wrestlers. It's like, are they all talented? Absolutely. Would I love to see Keith Lee and Samoa Joe and um, Tony Storm all wrestling Britt Baker and one more shot with CM Punk and Joe for a big money match? And would I like to see Matt Cardona do like a death match with Eddie Kingston? All that stuff would be awesome, but you can't buy them all. Right. When when <laughs> yeah, when do you have the time to Not do the, any of it? You know. Yeah. Like, it's it's almost like there's oversaturation. It's almost it sucks that so many of these guys got released when they did because there's so much oversaturation that like there's no way for any of them to make a real splash. Yeah, you know, kind of stinks. But and, uh, and AW was trying to promote them. So I don't know if you noticed this. I I don't know if they've said it lately, but I remember hearing it from Excalibur more than once, <laughs> where he coined the phrase "the home for professional wrestling." Mm. And the thing with AEW is I get it you want to be destination wrestling you want to be a safe haven for the wrestling fan that feels jaded by wwe that's a great ploy the problem is you can't get everything like it's just not possible nor should you like uh there's one one little news blip that is not in our notes but if anyone from AEW listens to this podcast please please listen to me uh, the Road Dog was one of the guys released by WWE. Gosh, total company man. Like in the fact, in fact, Road Dog was so much of a company man. I hated reading his tweets because I felt like he was such a yes man on Twitter. Billy Gunn tried to file a trademark for the New Age Outlaws. If those two guys are trying to get that going, <sighs> hey, listen, guys, all the success in the world to you. I don't want to see it on AEW TV. I don't want to see it on any TV. The New Age Outlaws in 2000. First of all, you're not new anymore. <laughs> like, you know what I would do? You know how they're, they're, they're on, I don't know, people, we talked about how the gun club seems to win all of their matches on the lesser than shows like Dark and Dark Elevation. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a angle going on. I think it started with Dan Housen, who actually doesn't even work in AEW. <laughs> He's a very popular uh, face painted independent wrestler. Very evil. Very evil, Dan Housen's son. And um, he kept calling Cold and Austin Gundy ass boys. And now, like, <laughs> Billy Gunn is wearing the shirt that's that calls them the ass boys, and the two kids hate it. What if Road Dog and Billy came back, but they called themselves ass men? Oh, my God. You'd have the ass or the ass dads. <laughs> <laughs> they just act like assholes everywhere. Oh. You, know how, you know that Allstate commercial where the dads are trying to, like, too, do too many dad things. Yes, like that. That would be them. That's or there was, there was an old SNL recurring sketch. It was uh, Jason Sudeikis and Kristen Wiig, and it was like, and now two a holes go to a grocery store, and it's just like these two people that are just total like douchebags. That's what Billy and, and BG need to do. Yeah. Or uh, Armstrong, Brad Ar- or what's his real name? Scott Armstrong. Uh, Brian. He's Brian. Brian Armstrong. That's what they need to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, listen, look. He, that's another one, Road Dog. like, he, he went up to, like, if, if we're comparing this to, like, sports general management, BG James got up to the point of, like, Rob Palenka with the Lakers. Yeah. Like, yeah. he got to a point where he was a big wig. Yeah. Backstage. So when he got let go, it was kind of stunning, <clears throat> you know? Yep. 
Yep. So uh, let's go back to our notes. Uh, here's something pretty interesting in the last couple of weeks. The four pillars have gotten some more gold. Obviously, Sammy Guevara won the TNT title, lost it to Cody, then won the interim. So as of right now, he's the interim champion. But Is he? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> That's another part of that whole tale that I'm not sure. I, it, it was, I don't want to call it a happy accident. I'm not saying that Cody did not fake his COVID diagnosis. No one's that stupid. Sure. He definitely got Omicron and he had to isolate. But do you think that maybe they did the Battle of the Belts where Sammy won that match and it was an actual, they called it the interim championship just in case Cody left? Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, You know what I'm saying? Why didn't they just have Sammy just wrestle a match and say, okay, I'm the number one contender for the TNT Championship. Why did they call him the interim Let champion? me one-up you with with some real rampant speculation, Andrew. Okay. Cody got COVID, which we know is a disease that spreads. Who else had COVID? Was Cody sitting at the table with someone? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what that is? Was, oh, did now, Cody now acknowledge that, someone? No, no, no. Then that is an inside job by Tony Khan. That's because right. Cody gave Roman COVID so that Roman missed the day one show. Oh. Now, you, now you're thinking with all parts of yeah, your Yeah, big brain thinking, Tony <laughs> Khan. <laughs> and we talked, and you know what's so dumb or so weird? Mm. We talked, I talked about that at the top of the last show. I said, it would be such a shame if yeah, a we did. main event guy missed a pay-per-view due to COVID. Yeah. And wham, bam, that's exactly and what And the happened. one guy who one really, like, obviously he's in great physical, but he had, he, had, he had cancer. Brain, like, right. yeah. Anyways, back to what we were saying is, uh, obviously Sammy Guevara is the interim champion, but also uh, Jungle Boy. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, the Jurassic Express, won the tag team titles uh, in a match against... Uh, the Lucha Brothers, uh, they had a really nasty injury with uh, Ray Phoenix. Uh, he got yeah, chokeslammed through a table. Yeah. Yes, it was a chokeslam from the apron of the table, which sounds normal, which yeah. is incredible and for me to say. It wasn't even, but, I don't think it was a botch, really, because Phoenix just put his arm out like you're supposed to do to take a bump. I think he just, I think he over-rotated just a yeah, little bit. his elbow right bent the, the wrong way. Yes. The un- yeah, it was a Sid situation. It was yeah. one of those ones like, you know, like, uh, like in football when you see the leg snap and you're just like, Oh, yeah. but almost like Karis LeVert. Like I remember watching Karis LeVert and I saw the, I literally saw the leg go backwards yep. and I'm like, Oh my God, he broke his leg. And he did it. Like yeah. it was, it was a miracle. Unbelievably, just like this with Ray Phoenix, dislocated elbow, still yeah. terrible. Going to be out for months. It was Not so disgusting arm. looking though. Oh, Oh, horrible. Yeah, horrible, it was horrible, so horrible. gross. And it, it, of course, obviously killed the flow of the match. Like, they essentially went right to the finish, and it was a little awkward. Because you're th- worried. Yeah, right. I, don't th- I don't think they changed the, the result of the match. Like, it, I don't This think was they, the tail end of the match. This yeah, I don't think they switched the titles because of that. But I think they went home right then and there because of that. So a little bit deflating uh, to, to their win that I think has been a long time coming. I've been championing them for a while that I think... Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are a really, really hot act, but they finally have their tag belts. So, um, and we talked about for Jungle Boy because he was a, one of the four pillars that it was important that his title win be significant. Yeah, that it wasn't like a throwaway of like, oh yeah, let's just kind of throw him this piece of tin. Mm-hmm. Like they made this. This was the main event of the first show on TBS, yep. and also fucking awesome match. Yeah, like it was. absolute bonkers match. Yeah. I, this this is uh, probably the best Lucha Brothers since they won the tag belts. I think uh, they've been 
I don't want to say coasting, but they haven't had anything that's jumped out at me since. They had the, one with FTR win. on Rampage that was good. Yeah, uh, but even that, like, I expected yeah. more with those two teams involved, you know. Right. But, yeah, so uh, that means that every uh, one of the four pillars has won a title in AEW except for one, and that guy's name is MJF. Isn't that interesting? He has a dynamite diamond ring. Yeah, he's diamonds got, like, are not a couple gold. of them now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually realized this, like, it's the same ring. So is that like the Stanley Cup? I don't understand. Yeah, like, I guess you got to return. Like, it? like I don't the know. Stanley, like listen, your Detroit Red Wing, Red Wings have easy for me to say. Uh, <laughs> they have more than a few. But do you keep the cups? Like, how does that work? I, I think that I think it's the same cup, at least in terms of presentation. But I'm sure if yeah. you go to like Little Caesars Arena, they they have the cups on display. But well, maybe the ring they have is replicas like a, made. So I guess like if he loses it, the ring that he's been wearing all this time and just doing God knows what with it and bashing people's heads in with it. He's going <laughs> to, he has to give it up. I don't know. It's weird. But, yeah. um, yeah, he's won, I think three times over now. So wow. yeah, I think he's the only guy who's won it. Isn't he? No. Huh? I think he's the only guy who's won this, this ring. Yes. So he, um, so yeah, he, yeah, you're right. You're right. No one else has won it. <clears throat> so interesting that the MJF is the last of the four pillars to, to win a title. Cause I think, in a lot of ways, he would be the one most positioned to because he's the biggest heel, you know, where the other guys are all pretty much baby faces. Even so. even her, even his um, uh, uh, understudy, I guess you could call him in the Four Pillars stage of Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, yeah. uh, <laughs> has a uh, has the women's championship. But you know what is that? You know, Jordan, is that like kind of a tell? Because like, look, Guevara, TNT champion, nice. Mm-hmm. Jungle Boy, tag team champion. That's nice. Darby Allen won the TNT title before Sammy did. Yeah. So that's like your level of significance. MJF is is like right up there near the top. Maybe it's the world title. That's yeah, that, that's definitely a thought like cuz I don't know, my wrestling brain, I know sometimes we should just shut up and enjoy the ride so to speak. Like when Hangman Page wins, my first thought is like who's going to beat him? <laughs> you know, like and I There's think, a structure to it. Yeah. Yes. I think MJF could be a, a possible choice. Um, I don't. I don't think it's anytime soon. But I think he at, right now, if you to make me pick somebody, I think he might be the guy that I'd pick. So he's he's embroiled and still in a pretty nice feud with a old school feud with CM yeah, Punk. Yeah, where uh, we're it's gonna, basically just a war words. Yeah, but it's finally they're finally gonna have to wrestle each other uh, because uh, Punk faced Wardlow on that uh, Dynamite. Uh, and he managed to beat him despite being power bombed. What was it? Eleven times? <laughs> Eight like times, and he was going for the ninth time. Yeah. So, what did you think about that finish? I well, the match was the the match was whatever. Yeah, like it's, it, it's fine. It, I think it was just more to tell the story. Sure. Because Wardlow's in that Batista spot or Goldberg spot where mm-hmm. he's getting over just because he literally dom- he can dominate an opponent with literally one move. Yeah. You know, like Wardlow can do more than that. We, he has that other move. He, he I don't know if he's been doing it lately. It was like a Samoan yeah, spike, spike off spike off the rope. rope. Yeah. I think the symphony yeah, is more of a lately. baby face move. Yeah. But they've 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 fine tuned it a little bit where they said you know what Wardlow won't just do the power bombs yeah. because if you do the power bombs and you just do that over and over again like Vader and and Batista used to it'll get over yeah. like <laughs> eventually people will figure it, it out is, it, like, it is yeah people are, are getting into it. and he's and, and Wardlow is being like he's being downtrodden all the time by MJF and the accountability buddy Sean Spears <laughs> and 
and the, the chairman, and they're like, and you could just tell, like, he's getting more and more and more agitated with the whole situation. It's like, you know, like, the money's good, like, kayfabe-wise, the money's good, you know, I have to do my job, but these guys are real assholes, and if I had the ability to do it, I'd, I'd powerbomb all of these people. Yeah, but I, I think they're doing a good anyways, job with it. Anyways, just like, just a few moves by Wardlow, power, but he gets, he gets Punk into the powerbomb position, he he just keeps doing it over and over again. MJF wants more. What's one from the outside? Stop. The table. We, we have stop, stop. He's already dead situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they do one to the table. And um, I think it was MJF instructing him to do one more. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah, because Punk barely up. gets back in the ring to break the, the, the count out. Yes. So he's getting ready to do one more, a ninth one. And you're thinking, this has got to be over. Yeah. CM Punk inside Cradle One Two Three. Yeah. That is a direct influence off of a match in 1995 between Bret the Hitman Hart and the aforementioned Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Hmm. Was it Survivor Series? Yes, Survivor yeah. Series '95. It was a grudge match, and it was actually one of the first tables. That included, spots where... yeah, powerbomb through the table on the outside, yeah. Yes, and um, and uh, what happened is he's getting ready to do the jackknife on him, and and Bret Hart just kind of like collapses. Same thing happened with Punk. Yep. And uh, and you're thinking, okay, I guess we'll take it easy on him before I do this last one. And it was he was playing pot. Bret Hart was playing possum. Yeah. And and awesome moment where uh, Kevin Nash or Diesel, the moment the three count happens, he gets out. He goes, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> and it was just like it was so pitch perfect. They did it exactly that way. I guess because they want to up the ante and you know. Bret Hart ate one power bomb because he actually respects the wrestlers. Right. Like he doesn't like kill the move. I'm right. not trying to say that CM Punk buried Wardlow, but yet, you know, he took eight power bombs. Yeah, I think that was my issue. Like I understood that's what needed to happen in the match. My issue is I think it should have been something where like MJF accidentally hit Wardlow to knock him into Punk for a roll up or something. I mean, again, even that's kind of a tired trope, but like something where MJF cost him more than he cost himself. Yeah, like, like MJF pushed MJF and them had a he had a shoving match with MJF, but that was after the bell rang right. when the match was over. They should have done it before. Yeah, they were during that would have actually made sense because it would have given the time for Punk kayfabe to like recover. Yeah, and then play possum and spring up on him. But I guess they wanted to do something that was more of a direct. Punk loves Bret Hart. Let's be real. Right. Like, <laughs> like his match with Darby Allen is almost a carbon copy of the match with, with well, one, two, not a carbon kid. copy yeah. of the one with Sean Waldman. Like, it's almost exactly the same. So, like, and listen, if you're gonna copy a wrestler, copy Bret Hart. Like yeah. that man. Oh yeah. Bret, Bret Hart was so ahead of his time that he is still ahead of his time. Well, and if it wasn't <laughs> for like a. Uh, a missed Goldberg kick, he might still be wrestling. Like the only reason he had to retire is because he, that the head injury that he got from that match. Like he might have been one of the safest wrestlers we've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, and I, I don't like. Is he the greatest wrestler? You know, the best or the best was the best ever will be. You know, some people can always leave that to judgment for the goats. Sure, but um, but he's the smartest wrestler. Yeah, no I, one thought out a match like Bret Hart. I'll believe. I believe that till the end of my days yeah and, and and i don't think he just thought about his own character but philosophy. yeah right. but but the other guy that he was in the ring with and stuff so but yeah that was just kind of a random thing but uh again can i kind of put a bow on that is uh mjf being the last pillar to have a belt i think is interesting but i think it's because he's going to get the biggest belt of them all uh not to say that he'll be the only one i could see maybe darby or i don't, I don't know about a jungle boy world title not not any time on the horizon maybe a couple years down the road but i think mjf is someone that 
Well, I don't think Jurassic. I don't think Jurassic Express are dropping those belts for a while, no. barring injury. No, yeah, you know, I, I don't think they should. Um, here's an interesting thing you put in the notes. Does every match need picture in picture? Seriously, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, like I get the thirty minute matches, the sixty minute matches. What can you do? Uh, right. You, well, you mentioned that the Malachi Black the was. Man. Yeah, no, you no, mentioned. I, I, I called ahead. the Iron Man match, but it was actually it was a one hour draw. But that one kind of bothered me. That was four commercial breaks. That was right. One where I was like, and that, that's the thing that gets me is I hate when the main event has multiple picture in pictures. Like it's the yeah. main event. You know, get your get your commercials out of the way or shorten the match. I don't know, but I hate when they do a twenty minute main event, but five minutes of it is picture in picture. Because I don't know about you, I can barely watch it. Like to me, it's just a commercial. I'm not really seeing it. Like, and but, I got to give Cody Rhodes credit for this one. This is the he thought this out. I actually remember he did a podcast with Chris Jericho where he talked about the Brody Lee match. Because what happened is picture in picture is usually your dead time, and picture in picture did not start with AEW. They did on SmackDown first yeah. um, in, like, 2016 when it went live on USA. And what happened – and it was just – it's just a trope that has been used by a lot more current, like, reality shows and programs and and it and football games. Like, they do commercial breaks where they'll literally not cut away from the football game. Yep. So that stuff has been – it's just been – it's just something that's been migrated to wrestling. AEW just kind of made it more of a customary thing on Dynamite. But, so, but what happens is they – you know – you know the commercial breaks on because the referee is communicating with the booker or the people backstage. So it's kind of that dead time, that stall time. Cody was the one who was like, I'm not going to do stall time. I'm going to do something wild during the picture in picture so that you never you never want to turn away. Yeah. And so he did something in the Brody Lee match where I think he did a uh, – I can't remember what it was. It was like a package pile driver from the apron to the table. Like, it was the biggest part of the match, and they did it during picture-in-picture. Picture. And he did the same thing with, I believe, Malachi Black um, in, in their match. So mm. I got to give Cody some credit for that. He's the one who thought that out. But most of the – you're right. Most of the matches that I watch, nothing really drastically crazy happens during right. picture-in-picture. And, yeah. you know, whether we like to admit it or not, as wrestling fans, we get conditioned to how you book your shows – and we know that when you go to picture picture, the match isn't going to end. I mean, something big might happen, but it's not going to end. You know, so how do you break that? Do you have a match let me, end let me during the picture in picture? Like, let me tell the spoiled and title kids, wrestling fans of today, <laughs> how tortured Jordan and I were. So, Star K ninety seven is the famous match between Hogan and Sting. Hogan and Sting had a what they don't tell you is Hogan and Sting had a rematch on Nitro the next night. They cut away from the main event. In the middle of the match. Yeah. They literally said, we're out of time. we got to go. And the match wasn't even over. Yeah. Which and was a WCW staple. You didn't have this sprawling internet to tell you literally everything that happened 10 minutes later. Yeah. Nobody so, yeah. was going live on Instagram with their fan cams. You know? like, that is that is psychological torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, it, so, it's bad booking too, really. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, that goes without saying. But but basically, like, yeah, there's this completest form. It's like we got to get everything. You got to see everything, you know. So, but there are. But th- again, there are bodies of the match where it's like, okay, we can kind of like take it easy here. But six minute matches and a picture in picture, right. please. Like, that actually takes away. Now, listen, this was the Malachi. I'm talking about the Malachi. The example I saw where that happened was yeah. Malachi Black and Brian Pillman Jr. It was not exactly Kenny Omega versus Brian Daniels. <laughs> but you're doing a disservice to the performers because what you're doing is 
you're chopping half of the match and basically making the commercial like you're you're giving equity to the to the ad time and it's like exactly yeah is it not good enough for six minutes by itself right you know it just kind of sucks yeah and and I, I think in a way that match probably wasn't good enough to be six minutes so it's like almost like they had to drag it out an extra two minutes that it didn't need to be like that should have been a quick brutal beating but instead because oh we got a commercial so you guys got got to go an extra two and a half minutes uh, so. give me a qu- give me a quick answer. The springboard clothesline that Brian Pillman Jr. botched, accident or on purpose? So, I think it was an accident that they covered really, really well. Okay. Because it did it did led right into the finish. He 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 botched, fell, stood right up, and got black masked. So here's my follow up question: If you've wrestled for more than five years, how do you botch a springboard? I, all I can think <laughs> is I think that was supposed to be the finish. I think he was supposed to springboard into a black mass, which would have been really cool. But because he fell down, he basically stood up and got hit with it. So maybe, like, I don't know, maybe knowing that he was supposed to get hit. But, yeah, the less we see of that guy, the better. Like, I am I try my best to not be very negative, but I I think that guy's just the dirt worst. Yeah, the House of Black is building. Um, I'm starting to get the weird sense, because Julia Hart, she was wearing the eye patch. Yep. But she was wearing the cheerleader outfit when she, when she accompanied Brian Tillman Jr. to the match. The next week, she was in all turtleneck black. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think Julia Hart's going to join the House of Black. Yeah, once that eye patch comes off, member. she'll have a mutated black eye like Malachi Black does. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, which, again, like you said, new member Brody King debuted, uh, which I think we knew he was coming. It was just kind of a matter of when because those guys are currently the PWG Tag Team Champions. Excuse me. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Brody King before, but that's... I've never a, seen him. I've never watched him wrestle. He's a hefty dude who can, you know, he kind of has like the, the Kevin Owens cannonball. Is he like the butcher? Yeah, better than him, though. I would say okay. I would say better, yeah. But yeah, kind of like that big hoss-type style, but he can he can fly a little bit if he needs to. So they complement each other very, very well. So Okay. Uh, yeah, so they're actually going to team up uh, to debut, and, and they're calling them the House of Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Varsity Blondes coming up on Dynamite. So and, we're and that's see- a match that should be like three minutes tops. Boom. Doesn't need a commercial I break. I think it will be. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about some other interesting stuff. I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, Brandon Thurston came up with this. Brandon Thurston's a great follow. If you like data, like wrestling data and like analytics and like little minutia, if you're like one of those type of people like I am and I know Andrew is, Brandon Thurston's the guy you got to follow on Twitter. Like he has all the charts and all the graphs. It's great, but... So this one, I, I, I'm glad you put this in the notes because this one really surprised me. If you would have had me guess five guys, I probably wouldn't have given you the answer here. But in terms of quality of opponent, the highest rated wrestler based on quality of opponent in AEW in 2021 was Darby Allen. Uh, I would have immediately guessed Brian Danielson, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but Well, that win over Aaron Solo brought him down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, but I mean, is Darby Allen like, underrated at this point? Like, is he just so efficient that, like, you forget how good he is? I don't think he's underrated because I think he's underpraised. Mm. Like, I think he's the kind of person that he gets – he gets the spot that – he gets the spots that his – what he's built himself up to be. Sure. Like, he gets the spots that he's supposed to get. Like, he does a main event when he's not – now, listen, I, I – 
I do know that I have a few friends that watch AEW that did get a little fatigued with Darby during the Daily's Place era sure. when he was the TNT champion. Because if you remember, there was a stretch there between, I think, maybe December and May when he lost at the Miro where it felt like Darby main evented all the time for the TNT title. But because they were trying to give this sense that the TNT title is kind of like the IC belt, the old school IC belt, that it was the fighting champion and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So so he was on all the time. But other than that little stretch there, I feel like they don't overuse him. They don't like ram him down your throats too much. And here's the trick I feel like with Darby. And I think we talked about this when and when when you had brought him up as the wrestler of the year in 2021. He lost the belt to Miro, and he never lost his heat. Like, he stayed just as popular as he used to, and if not more. And to the point that when Darby Allen, that when CM Punk showed up, Darby wanted to wrestle um, Darby. Because he knew that that would be, that would get a great pop, that he was a worthy opponent. And he's, you know, he's feeding off of Sting, and that, that's working out well for him. And even when he wrestles other people, it's um it, it it doesn't it makes the other guy look better whereas like and i hate to pile on on this guy because he's probably gonna make a boatload of money in about a week for cody rose that would come off so superficial sure where people would get they they would they would track the scent immediately and say yeah. oh you're just pushing this guy because he you th- because he wants to be a star and he he has a contract that says he can do this and this and this yeah yeah you know whereas darby has earned <laughs> but yeah i think i think he's under praised i don't think that he gets as much love from the fan base and um i want to be careful saying that cuz he gets a lot of hits on youtube and sure. he's very and a lot of people tune into his segments when he wrestles. But I do feel like there is a part of me that thinks, man, once he becomes the champion, because it will happen, once he becomes the AEW world champion, he, he's going to be the top guy. Yeah. I almost it, feel like he's happen. he's almost like a Foley in the Attitude Era where he's like, everybody generally likes him, but he's not. He's clearly not a lot of people's absolute favorite. You know, like Foley was, everybody loved Foley, but. It was Austin. It was Rock. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, I mean that co- in a complimentary way, in the sense that like he's beloved, but he's not like uh, I don't know. I guess I just don't see a lot of people like tuning in specifically for Darby Allen. And it, I'm not trying to knock him or anything like that. I think he's just a great guy to have because people really appreciate him and people dig him when he's he, out there. He he's not a destination match. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously the Punk match, but that Punk was the draw. Right. Let's be real. But and like, even I'm even gonna, his bigger matches, I think outside of Punk are because Sting's involved sometimes. Right. You know? But I will say this, when I see him on the card, I'm like, "Oh, watching that." Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> like I like that's 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 the difference. Like I like, they just had a match between the new tag team champions Jurassic Express. There are certain wrestlers where and AEW has this embarrassment of riches with it. That's why we talked about how kind of overloaded they are sometimes with the talent where when you see certain combinations of wrestlers, you just know, like, and then WWE has this too, mm-hmm. where when you see a certain combination of talents, you're just like, oh, that's going to be good. That can't be bad. Like, I saw one where Jurassic Express versus uh, Alex Reynolds and Josh Sil- John Silver. Mm. And I was just like, oh, that's going to be really good. Like, <laughs> there's no way, unless there's an injury, there's no way that match can be bad. Yeah. And guess what? The match was awesome. Yeah. But uh, this is the math. So, um, 
and I'm taking I'm citing I'm citing Brandon Thurston from Twitter. Uh, final score: the sum of the win percentage of every opponent that you've beaten minus the sum of the loss percentage of every opponent that you've lost to. Oh, wow. So basically, who did you beat? Who did you wrestle? Who did you beat? And how good was the opponent that you beat? So it's like you came so, up with a strength of schedule, so to speak. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, like yeah. So you know, poor Peter Avalon, who actually just uh, he he didn't make the bubble, <laughs> but um. Uh, this, this, uh, I will say this for Peter Avalon. His deal expired. He's open to bookings. Cool guy. How come Fightful didn't report that, huh? Pretty Peter Avalon. <laughs> but hey, man, you, you know, you got a lot of rub on it. He Remember when he was the librarian with Leva Bates? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, what if, what if he's Roman, in the rubble? What if he's the forbidden door? <laughs> number one overall was Roman Reigns, 10.1. Uh, Darby's 9.9 right behind. You were very close, though. Brian Danielson was next at 8.9. Mm. And then the order after that is Josh Alexander, Drew McIntyre, Damian Priest, Bobby Lashley, Pack, um, the Bastard Pack, yeah. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Killer Cross, uh, yeah. Carius Cross. Pack had a weird promo um, on, I don't know if it was Rampage or Dynamite, where uh, he essentially didn't have eyeballs anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Which one is that? Who is that? Pac. Yeah, he's yes, talking about yeah, he had a, basically like he had his vision. Now that he has no sight, he had, his vision is better than ever. So now he's basically like a sage. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. So I would assume that that means that he's going to re- rekindle his feud with Malachi Black once they. All I know is he needs him. to stay away from Cody because if he's lost his sight and then he loses his taste and his smell, he's down to two senses. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I don't know if he missed because of COVID, but he definitely missed because of quarantine issues. Yeah, I know he's uh, he's, he's been hit with visa issues a few times uh, during yes. this pandemic. Ray so. Phoenix had the same problem a couple times, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some random stuff. Here's a fun little tidbit: uh, Rampage has the highest average minutes of wrestling per sixty minutes. So for every hour uh, of all these shows, it includes Rampage, not just AEW but WWE as well. Rampage averages twenty nine minutes of their show is wrestling, which is pretty good. You'll, you... you'll never guess what the lowest is. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I would have guessed the other one. Uh, the lowest yeah. is SmackDown. I would have guessed Raw, but, you know, I guess Raw sometimes has to have those 20, 25, because it is the three-hour show. Sometimes I will it... say, half of half of an hour of wrestling being wrestling is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like, Rampage is, is a weird show because it's rarely like, oh, man, Rampage was it's great, but it's never bad. It's yeah, but it's yeah. never bad, you know? So there's always one match that stands out. Yep. One. Yep. Like even like like I just talked about Jurassic Express versus John Sullivan Alex Reynolds. They actually had a different one at the very beginning of that same show. It was Adam Cole against Trent Beretta, and it was pretty good. But oh then, yeah yeah yeah. But every time and every now and again you'll see one, and because it's taped, you know the anticipation builds because you hear all the stories about how good it was, like Pocket Andrade. The, the four women in the uh, in that brawl at uh, Daly's place, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston, which was my favorite match all year. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'll just have a, like a humdinger of a match on Rampage. Yep. Also, you know? also Rampage so far is the exclusive home of Hook. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where they the send only, Hook. Yeah, it's the you only know place why? He's you know why? Sent- you remember? Do you remember when they did that kayfabe thing on WWE when Fox and USA was fighting over yeah. which stars they wanted? Yep. TNT wanted Hook. Yeah. TNT said we have to have Hook don't work Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a total uh, a friend of ours uh, named Brett Carlson sent me a Twitter link 
totally random. Apparently, there's a video of Hook at a strip club with Antonio Brown. What? Did you see the video of Antonio Brown sitting with... With Kanye West and Madonna? Madonna, (laughs) Floyd Mayweather, Kanye West... Oh, Floyd Mayweather was in that, too? Huh? Floyd Mayweather was there, too? Floyd Mayweather is sitting there in a hoodie. Oh, man, I hope that's the same night he was with Hook. Madonna is, like, grinding, and I think... I don't know who that wanted blower is. Is that her daughter? I don't even know. Yeah, I have no uh, clue. And then Julia Fox, the only thing I know about Julia Fox is that, I, I know that she's Kanye's girlfriend. I saw her in a movie, this really awesome movie, stars Adam Sandler called Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. And I saw her in that movie, it's on Netflix. But um, I guess she's dating Ye, you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know. Uh, it looked like thing? the saddest group of celebrities I've ever seen. They all looked so miserable, didn't they? Did Hook <laughs> hang out with Kanye? So, the way the video looked is I don't even know if they were hanging out together so much as they happened to be in the same place at the same time. Okay. So, but send Kanye. Kanye and Hook. (laughs) Kanye's Team Taz, man. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) So if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't win the Super Bowl and Tom Brady gets robbed of another trophy, just remember, they sent Hook. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be a great slot receiver, man. New Julian Edelman is Hook. That dude is smooth. You yeah, know, there is in real to be real as a wrestler watching him now, he's done a few. And Aaron Solo was a good choice because they've trained together for yep. a, a number of for a long, long time. Uh in QT Marshall's um um what is it called? The uh, Monster the Factory. The Monster Factory, yeah. the Nightmare Factory, or whatever Nightmare it factory, is. Yeah. But um there's just some people and we talked about this with the MMA guys where no matter how super skilled you are at certain fighting games or, or, or martial arts or whatever, some people, they just don't look right when they try to just do the professional wrestling arts, like the the, the, like the act of being a professional wrestler. With Hook, he gets it. Yep. Like, it's smooth. Yep. Like he, it, It's like Randy Orton. It just fits. Yep. You know? Yep. It, none of it feels forced or, or fake or exaggerated. Just, right. Yeah, that's, that's who that guy is, so... Um, here's some random stuff. Uh, since uh, 2022 is here, the standings started over again. So the the Gun Club is no longer 800 and 0. But that also means Brian Danielson is winless, and so is MJF. They're currently both 0 and 1 at the time of this. MJF is 0 and 1 because Captain Sean Dean was supposed to wrestle him, and CM Punk interfered, chased MJ off, MJF off, and then deliberately gave Captain Sean Dean the, the GTS. Kind of like, yeah. Get MJF the DQ, to swallow Yeah. 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 So, so no, hey, Captain Sean Dean, one of the pillars. <laughs> Potential world title feud. <laughs> he's the he's the captain of the pillars. Yeah. Um. Uh. I, I kind of lost my place. Hang on a second. Let me bring back our notes. Uh, Rebel dating B.J. Whitmer, former Ring of Honor mainstay. So I think I think so. When yeah. Ke- when they sent off Keith Mitchell, who retired. Rebel was sitting with B.J. Whitmer, who I believe... Do you remember B.J. Whitmer Oh yeah, Ring, Ring of Honor? Oh, yeah. One of the nastiest spots I've ever I know seen exactly in my what life you're talking about. was B.J. Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs. Who, mm-hmm. By the way, you talk about who's working in Impact. Jimmy Jacobs works in Impact. I okay. And, um, and B.J. Whitmer gave, off of the top of a cage, B.J. Whitmer suplexed Jimmy Jacobs from the top of a cage Ugh. to the floor. And Jimmy Jacobs and, was a skinny guy, too, like... Oh, he, he tore his ACL. Yeah, he yeah. Is. But um, but hey, you know, Whitmer's been—he's been—he's like Brandon Cutler and um, Leva Bates. He's just one—he's one of those wrestlers who was there from the beginning, who's yep. just kind of there. I, I think of him. I think of guys like Christopher Daniels, like that era. 
Marshall, right? Marshall, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this until because Captain Sean Dean. I was kind of reading up on him. Uh, he's from Chicago. He's been helping like book the enhancement talents for Dark, and it used to be QT Marshall's job, but he moved on to do more character work and do other things. So they gave that job to Captain Sean Dean. Kind of like you remember when Raven they like they just randomly let him book Sunday Night Heat. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, more dating news. Uh, Scum Sammy Guevara is dating Ty Conte. I call him Scum because he proposed to his girlfriend on TV like six months ago. Yes. <laughs> That's done with already. So I mean, listen, they probably make a nice, cute couple. Yeah. They probably would make the cover of a magazine, but yep. damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our condolences to uh, Sammy's uh, ex-fiance, who I don't don't know her name. Dante Martin dating Sky Blue, uh, better than than Red Velvet, you know. (laughs) So um, we we discussed Julia Hart, we discussed the House of Black, we discussed the YouTube Rampage match, getting a million. uh, Oh, here's a nice one. Is Daniel Danielson's gotch pile driver a nod to Jerry Lynn or to Cesaro? Because he's been doing that gotch pile driver. Knowing Brian Danielson, it might be a nod to Frank Gotch. (laughs) <laughs> is Frank Hodge still alive? No, he's no there's no way, right? No, I was thinking of Danny Hodge. Danny Hodge just died. Yeah, Danny Hodge, yeah. That Frank was the Hodge. one who used to be able to crush uh, an apple with his hand. Yeah, with his right? bare hand. Like... With his bare hand, yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not good at age stuff. I don't, but, I, don't, um, I don't watch WWE. Is Cesaro on TV anymore? Uh, barely. barely. He's, been, um, he's been losing matches lately from what I've been – from what I've seen in terms of the results. Mm. I read the results. I don't watch the show. I would love him in AEW. I think he's a, a guy I mean, I, it, it tortured me to have to do this recording instead of watching Raw, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so so Cesaro does a very similar form, but he doesn't do the power draw. He, like, plants them like a pedigree, and it's called yeah, a neutral. Almost like a, fr- but, yeah, the face forward. But Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro, and Brian Danielson are very, very close. Actually, when Danielson left the wwe like when he went out and he lost to roman roman the next opponent that he feuded with was cesaro mm, so okay. like that was because they kind of did a they did a they did a storyline where cesaro and brian danielson were <laughs> you know brian were buds like yeah. they were best buds kind of thing um but also jerry lynn who was one of the judges sitting right there you know maybe that was the reason yep i totally forgot he used to do that until someone brought it up to me Oh um, yeah, that like, was like his ECW move. Mm-hmm. Right, it's dangerous looking too. Also, <clears throat> yeah. I, Auntie did it to Penelope Ford through a freaking table. It probably in that was dangerous when she did it. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like the camera shot where because I gotta give Ty Conti some credit too. You know, regardless of the Sammy Guevara thing, she she took a blade job too, not as yeah. deep as Allie. Oh, the yeah. bunny! I was worried for her watching that. So the way that the 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 storyline was that she bust got busted open by the brass knucks, which had been the storyline. So, but when she came back up after being punched and did the blade job, I mean, she, she I mean, she was red, like yeah. her entire face was red. Yeah, it, and I was it, like, it, my God. It, I don't think they intended to, to draw that much blood, but it was like a happy accident, like because it looked freaking awesome. Yeah, like, it looked so like, freaking awesome. I feel like – I don't know if I brought this up before. Maybe I have. I feel like with the women's wrestlers all of all kinds, you know, independent, um, WWE, AEW, uh, you, you name it, mm-hmm. Shimmer. I feel like we're at a point in women's wrestling that was similar to the Attitude Era for the men in the late 90s where it's like we've got to take risks. We've got to up the ante. Yeah. We've got to go places we've never gone before. Well, and, and on the independent scene – There's a breaking point where yeah. it's like – 
are you can't kill these people. I mean, on the independent scene, a lot what you see is intergender matches. Like Candice LeRae has fought so many guys in the independent mm-hmm. scene, and she takes there nasty was a promotion bumps. like that that took a lot of controversy. Yeah, she takes nasty bumps when she wrestles the guys. Like like it, it, it she might just be great at selling, but she looks like she's just getting hurt really bad. And congratulations to her; she's about to have a baby. Oh, so. cool! Congrats. So. Yeah, uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, I like how you you labeled this section of our notes LOLs. Kyle O'Reilly always calls Brandon Cutler Landon. <laughs> now they just call him Cutler. <laughs> Turn like the camera off, Landon. Yeah, they forgot what his <laughs> name is. Uh, so Dan Lambert uh, got into it with Hangman Page, and uh, that brought out uh, a returning um, – Oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. Lance Archer. Lance Archer, yeah. Lance Archer returned, and Lambert started freaking out because, you know, they had some beef, but then Archer yes. went right at hand. So that's the first title defense after Danielson. What do you think of that? Do you think that's just a one-off? My, that's not going to be a problem. My friend who watches AEW religiously, um, IRL, uh, he didn't like it. He hmm. thought Lambert being there was just kind of sandwiched in for no reason. Because Lambert, I got to give credit to Lambert at the end of the year for this, is that they're not actually like wrestling in matches to try to interfere in certain feuds, but they are right smack dab in the middle of like the Cody Rhodes, Sammy Guevara stuff. Yep. And I guess now the Hangman Page stuff where it's like, we want gold. We want titles. Yeah. Like maybe they'll go after Jurassic Express. Like, well, and I've said before, I like, like I think Ethan, idea. yeah, I think Ethan Page is like maybe one of the most underused talents they have. I think he's awesome. Like, I, he doesn't even need Lambert or the other guys, but since he's there, that's fine. Uh, so if they if that turns into Ethan Page getting more match time and stuff like that, I'm all for it. I like his persona in the same way that uh, that I like Adam Cole's persona, where it's like in a, in real life. Ethan Page and Adam Cole are probably like super nice people and super giving people and in the ring like they they allow their opponents to look good and do things like Ethan Page had a very good match with Cody Rhodes I think on uh, an episode of Rampage. Yep. Um but um but when it comes to the character I freaking hate them. They are yeah. just such douchebags. Yeah. <laughs> They're good at it, you know. Yeah. Oh, and Ethan Page has been like seeing him when he was in um Evolve like he had the character down. I think really what he was lacking was he was kind of chubby and like he really got cut and he's in like great shape now. But he was such a smarmy heel even then. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think he's and he's very strong. He's got big upper mm-hmm. body. Yep. Like he can do stuff where he can lift you off the top rope and like do like put you in the fu position or the attitude adjustment position and do stuff off the top rope. Like he's he's a talent. Man. Yeah, like I, I think he could really be something. And I I think he'll be fine. I think Sky, even though he is older, I think he's motivated to try to do something i think he does have that play on reality thing where he won that um the brass uh, ring the, actual, the yeah, sonic the hedgehog that, ring <laughs> yeah, that thing it's the revolution the face of the revolution yeah which they're actually going to be building up to again for a ladder match because of the pay-per-view coming up in march um and he has a gripe where it's like you know you said i was the face of revolution you never gave me a chance i'm gonna take my chance so i like the idea that they're like if you're not going to give us the opportunity we're just going to bitch at you long enough until you give us one. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, uh, we talked about some of the injuries, obviously, Ray Phoenix. Um, a dislocated elbow that's going to come on the shelf for a couple months, believe it or not, is a pretty good <laughs> no. result compared to what it looked like. That looked like it could have been like he's going to have to have his arm reconstructed. It was so disgusting. Um, yes you know sid level you know like i mean obviously sid had to be way worse sid like never wrestled again i don't think outside of maybe some spot shows where he didn't take a bump but 
Uh, it looked really gross. So, you know, when we get to our time, which we're just a minute or two away in terms of what we recommend, I would recommend you watch that match, not just for the injury because it's pretty gruesome, but, I mean, it's a title change. you got to watch it, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some ratings trends. Uh, by switching to TBS, AEW jumped back into the, the million plus for their debut, and we talked earlier about how they tied in the demo already with Raw, um, yeah. even though Raw had more numbers than just the Raw data. Just It has to be kind and of like success. I said, and as I said at the top, uh, like loosely, that it's probably going to happen again because I'm pretty sure Raw is going to get a nice whooping from Monday Night Football tonight. Yeah. And, and um, then they're out of it, though, game. you know, because this is the last Monday Night. So after this, Correct. Raw's kind of got, you know. Build up to the Rumble, World of WrestleMania, yep. ratings start to perk back up kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Yep. So you'd hope so. Uh, and then, you know, Rampage got hit with some college football playoffs as well. So they took some hits and. Uh, that was yeah. the rampage show, yeah. You know, and, or Michigan. Uh, we're, you know? we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk about Michigan, huh? Yeah, I don't even know what happened. It's, 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 <laughs> it's not in the notes. <laughs> it's not <in> the notes. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch Rampage or that or the game? I watched some of the game, and I was quick to be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to be done. Like it was with football. You just know sometimes early on, like. Uh, this is not going our way. Yeah. <laughs> Football is one sport where the, the momentum does not often shift. and uh, The batting average of the college football playoff is not great. Yeah. I've just noticed over the years, even when um, my LSU Tigers won in 2019, all three games were not great. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, I take that back. Clemson-Ohio State was really good. Um, but, yeah, yeah. The, the two semifinals were not good. The title game that Raw was up against um, that got that .39 demo, it was okay. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it. Nick Duke was happy. Yeah, <laughs> congrats. Congrats <laughs> to him and Campbell. Chad Campbell, by the way. Of course, Georgia Bulldogs. Right, yeah, congratulations to him. Team you'll never forget. And you'll for, get one eventually. Former Georgia Bulldog Matthew Stafford, as we are recording, is uh, looking to get his first ever playoff victory, leading 21 nothing at halftime, so that makes me happy. So That'll be one more than the Cowboys have had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, uh, living where I live as a Detroit fan, like, you grow up and you're you're kind of a default fan of where you're from. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm so I hate the Lions. Like I've grown to hate the organization. Just I, I hate the ownership, and I hate the fan base that like blames everyone who leaves. You know what I mean? And yeah. like Stafford left. People like said, "Oh, he's a bum. He's why we didn't win." He's this is his first season not on the Lions. He won the division. And he's won a playoff game. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Did not you think him. There, do you think that was the intention of having the Battle of the Belts in Charlotte? The fact that it's sort of like that mid-Atlantic area, or do you I think that looked? I think they just looked at the fact that Charlotte, the Bojangles Arena, got a nice turnout in the summer, and they just said, you know, yeah. if we do a one-hour special here, we could probably fill it up. The one thing that was good, though, is that they had one of the better episodes of Dark because Battle of the Belts was one location. They didn't have like a double taping type of thing right. to fill up the card, so they had a lot of pre-show stuff, and that's what Dark was. So they had actually a lot of show matches on dark that would be better than normal for that week uh, because they taped it before the Battle of the Belts. So that that was kind of cool. Yeah, I do think usually they, it's in Orlando, but not this time. I do think they've kind of dipped their toe into the Charlotte area a little too much. I was texting you, I think, was it during last week's Dynamite? I'm like, this crowd looks really small. Like, I don't know if it was the lighting and I think it was lighting because I went on Twitter because I was like, it looks empty. Like you could only see like the first three rows and it was all black. I'm like, is there no one there? And and, and I have to warn you, the next one's going to be about as bad because yeah. and I, don't, I don't understand the reason. I'm sure there's some logistical reason, um, but 
Dynamite and Rampage are going to be separate shows in Washington, D.C. It's not in the Verizon Center like the very first Dynamite was that had 14,000 people. That's not where it's going. It's going into a smaller arena. I don't know the name of it. Um, If I had to guess, it's probably going to be about 5,000. But I remember one in Miami where it was actually that same um, Rampage Dynamite combination where they had the pre-show thing where they did Danielson versus Suzuki because they wanted to um, they wanted to one up SmackDown when it was on Fox Sports One that one week if you remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they had two nights back to back of live Rampage live Dynamite for two different nights on Miami. The problem is it's harder to sell the tickets if it's two for one. So the crowds were sparser; they weren't as big. Right. And I agree with you. Some of those crowds that they had at Dynamite this past Wednesday in Raleigh did not look full. Right. It just and so if you go like I went on Twitter and I was like I I, I searched like AEW like live attendance stuff like that and there were some pictures of people from the show and it looked better from their cameras than it did on TV. I think they just darkened it way too much. So I think it was a combination of one it was a little sparser than than they wanted it to be and then two they over. They overreach in terms of trying to hide that, and it made it look even more empty. So I think some of the – I do think there's a little bit of toxicity with AEW fans where, like, it's almost like the Fox News thing where they always try to show, like, the random pictures of empty uh, yeah. grocery drawers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, dude, the cooler's broken. Right, right exactly. <laughs> That's why there's no produce in it. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and, if I go and, to Kroger but, right now and they're out of milk, I just go tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah. <milk's there. laughs> Joe Biden's economy, everyone. Right. But, um, but, 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 the tr- but here's the thing, like – does WWE have bad turnouts? Yes, they do. I, sure. I definitely agree with that. There are some shows that I watch. I think it was one and I I think it was in California, not in LA. They do really well in the Staples Center, but there was another one in LA or uh, in um in like Fresno or San Diego where they did not get a good turnout at all. It looked terrible. It was literally in the middle of the show and you could see the crowd and it was like behind the hard camera there was literally no one. But they do well for themselves, like when they have big shows. Like Atlanta Day one was a sellout. Um, yep. Staples was a sellout when Brock Lesnar popped up, and Dynamite did well in Newark. They got seven and a half thousand people. So, um, and that's that was the goal. That's why I think they mm-hmm. pivoted away from the Gulf Coast. They wanted big crowds for these first few shows on TBS. I wish that Raleigh looked looked fuller. I also think, yeah. I also think Omicron may have played a part. I mean, Maybe. yeah, you, know. you got a point there too. So. But, yeah, it was just something that I remember texting you and saying, wow, this really looks like a small crowd for AEW, which is something that they hadn't done. So, anyways. Uh, so here's what we got coming up. Uh, by the time this episode drops, some of these matches will have already happened. But uh, on Dynamite this week, so on our episode, our next episode, we're talking about uh, Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker, who are, are now officially acknowledging on screen their relationship. Um, yes. Are teaming up against Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Is that, do you think that means we get a, <clears throat> excuse me, Statlander versus Britt Baker? Is that the next women's title feud, do you think? I mean, it's, it makes sense. Uh, huh? I, I can see it. Yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, it, it would make sense. But also, Statlander's in the middle of a feud with Layla, legit Layla Hirsch. Yeah. So I wonder maybe if legit Layla Hirsch, they, like it's a mini feud and Hirsch costs Statlander, mm. which leads to a match between Hirsch. I gotta think Jamie Hayter's next, you yeah. know, because that yeah. that's almost like similar to Warlow and MGF. The difference is like this is palpable. There are moments. I gotta say, even though Battle of the Belts was not my favorite show, um, which was disappointing because that was the first non Dynamite, non Rampage special. 
for AEW. Yeah, it just didn't people. feel special. Yeah. I just wish it had that specialty to it, like the first Rampage did. Yeah, because that one felt great to watch. This one didn't. Like it was just kind of like, eh. But um, maybe it was Cody not being there. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe I just said that. But um, but uh, Britt Baker and uh, Riho had a really nice main event match. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was a very very good match. Riho can really really go. Yeah. So. I, I think they did a good job with Rio in terms of rehabbing her. Like when the company started and they put the belt on her first, I think there was some backlash to her, um, and it wasn't really her fault because if you watch her matches, she was fine and stuff. But people just did not seem to take to her originally. But- I think they just got like it was it, it was a uh, Ray Mysterio situation, like when he was yeah. coming up where she was they so just skinny, get over the fact so how small she was. Yeah. yeah, and she looks young. She looks like a child. You know, <laughs> she really does. It's like, is this the kid that Kenny Omega wrestled? <laughs> well, and also I've grown an affinity to some of the Japanese yeah. wrestlers. Like, because when they first debuted, remember they were they had a they had a six man um, women's match on the first ever Double or Nothing, the first ever pay per view they had, and no one knew any of them. Right. Like it's like being it's like it's a new baby. It's like a baby being born. Yeah. You like you look at it, and you're like, who are you? <laughs> and. uh and and but now people are kind of even if you watch Dark, you like you're used to Emi Sakura and her right. handmaidens and Hikaru Shida. She's like the workman's, you know, rather yep. Riho is the high flying shorter one. Um, and then there's my Saruga, who is I don't know what she is, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, th- there's a few of them that are. Uh, but they've kind of grown their unique identity. Shida is still in the middle of a feud with Serena Deeb. Yeah, so. long feud. So supposedly kayfabe. Um, I'm saying that a lot today. <laughs> Sheeta is going back to Japan, so they they knocked her out with a knee injury for a little while. Oh, okay, that explains yeah. that. Yeah, because that that match kind of ended with the the not really a non finish, but like the end finish. So okay, right, interesting. So, uh, but yeah, uh, on the dynamite that will be happening in between our taping and this episode debuting, uh, we're gonna get another Sting match. Uh, I love that Sting works with these young guys. It's uh, Darby and Sting taking on the Acclaimed. I think the Acclaimed are... <sighs> I feel like they po- might be poised to take the like the next step up. Not to like a main thing, but I could see them being programmed against Jurassic Express as kind of like the first title feud or something like that. Anthony Bowens is getting better. Yeah. Like, he actually wrestled Danielson. Yeah. Like, when, uh, like kind of leading up to yeah, a lot good. of stuff. And I thought he was... Do- I thought he did better than I saw him before. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I saw him wrestle somebody in a singles match. I don't remember who it was, but um, uh, oh, it was Darby Allen. It was Darby, and yeah. He actually, and he looked on Rampage on New Year's Eve, and he looked he looked good. You know, mm-hmm. the, now the 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 mockery music video they did making fun of Sting and Darby Allen was stupid. Yeah, like, I agree. It was really lame. Like, like it wasn't ironic, funny. Like you remember, like one of my favorite things was when Disco Inferno made fun of Conan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we made his rap video. Oil of Olay all day. Oil of Olay. <laughs> because it was so lame. On yeah. purpose. Whereas, like, Max Hazard's supposed to be cutting edge. He does have some good raps. Sometimes, he does. Sometimes I hear him on Dark Elevation. He's got a couple of raps that are really funny. Yeah, I think there's. Um, I think they got a little bit of juice. Yes. I think they got something going. Mm-hmm. Like, there's. this is done. This is being done on purpose. It's not like a throwaway. It's not like Gun Club. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to lose Sting. Like, Sting's not going to lose to the acclaimed. But... You know, no. being in the ring with Sting, I think, is is a step up for them. And I think moving forward, I, I was a little worried when Anthony. Bow- I don't know if you saw, it, but Anthony Bowens hit Sting with a boombox, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he got too close to him, but it felt it looked like he hit him straight in the face with it. Jeez. <laughs> and 
knowing Sting and his age, I'm like, please do not hurt that man. <laughs> that man is a that man is a franchise. He's a national <laughs> treasure. <laughs> it's like Kevin Durant when someone ran into his knee. I'm like, Bruce Brown, how stupid are you? Don't injure the top guy. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what we got uh, coming up. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. But before we get out of here, uh, some matches to watch from the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, I would recommend Hangman versus Brian Danielson, uh, where Hangman got the win. Nice bloody brawl. Uh, how about you? What, what do you think uh, needs to be watched in the last couple of weeks? I mean, it's so easy to say uh, the the Hangman Danielson match uh, yeah. just to be just to be um, a contrarian. I mean, if from the same show, the the you had mentioned it already, the um, Jurassic Express winning the titles off the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, there was a spot in that match, and it's not that one that was so dangerous. I like gasped, and it was when I don't know if you remember it, but. Uh, Luchasaurus got Penna in like a torture rack or fireman's carry position and Jungle Boy uh, clears them like leaps over them off the top rope and gives Phoenix a, de- a, de- a destroyer mm. and I was like I mean that could have gone so wrong in so many ways but they hit it perfectly um, just a couple just like a lot of awesome moves a lot of counters uh, really really fun stuff um, also Daniel Garcia had a couple nice matches uh, one against Sammy Guevara yeah they're in this weird feud that we haven't even talked about like the three, 2.0 and, and him are feuding with like Jericho Eddie and Eddie yeah. but Eddie and Jericho don't like each other either it's and the, and Santana Ortiz are in the middle of it the only funny there were two funny things uh, and it was on the same it was in the same segment it was so they were doing the like um uh, it's time for the main event segment, which is when Mark Henry is hyping up the yeah, main event yeah. and talking about the two things. Well, this is one where, like, both teams were, like, really pissed at each other, and they find each other in the locker room and just start fighting, and me, and there's, like, no interview, and Mark Henry's like, I guess there's no one to talk to. Right. <laughs> and also, um, I think it was Jeff Lee. He has one of my favorite retorts, which is, suck my ass. <laughs> I'm uh, scrolling through. Whenever you say th- whenever you say that to somebody, it ends the conversation. <laughs> right. I'm scrolling through Fightful just to see if there's any uh, news popped up today that we haven't covered. Because you mentioned right before we went on air that Eddie Kingston uh, suffered an injury, correct? Yeah, and guess who else did? And it's so sad because he had a really nice debut. Jake Atlas got, got injured. Ugh. He hurt his knee he against Adam really Cole. Good. Yeah, that's a it was a, It wasn't Adam Cole's fault. It was nobody's fault. It was just a random... Like a weird landing or something. Yeah, it was a landing on a super kick. So, yeah. It just sucks. Okay, four hours and, uh, ago. And, and, Cole, and Cole tried to clean it up and go home with a knee bar, so... Yeah. Four hours um, ago, Sean Ross did tweet, I have some more AEW contract news coming to Fight for Select over the next few weeks. So it looks like this might be unraveling uh, slowly. So. Peter Avalon has been re-signed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Pretty Peter Avalon. Pretty Pete. So yes. All right. Well, hey man. Um, again, this is kind of a little bit of a different content for us. Rather than go through each individual show that happened over the past couple of weeks, we just kind of bounced all over the place. But I think we covered pretty much everything at this point, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, unless you want to talk about Anthony Agogo some more. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, I'm always up to talking Anthony Agogo. <laughs> so no, and it's amazing. Like we, there were people that we can always mention in the future that you know they're building up to. We didn't even talk too much about Jade Cargill winning the TBS sure. championship yep. from Ruby Soho, and it, I mean, match is fine. But you know, yeah, it, and and that was a nice tough was a nice ending. Moment. Tough ending where they tried nice to do something big and. It, 
Right, right. It didn't build up. It didn't crescendo the way they wanted it to. Yeah. And uh, Dante Martin feuding with, you know, absolute Ricky Starks. And mm-hmm. um, there, there's a lot of things that they're leading into with a lot of really talented people. Lord knows right now with the way the free agency is kicking around, they might have three more people added by the time we come right. back. Exactly. Yeah. Now, didn't Ricky Starks challenge somebody for the – who did Ricky um, Starks fight was on, chal- on Battle he of the was challenged. He was challenged by uh, Jay Lethal now, uh, just recently. Now, on the Battle of the Belts, uh, let me look at it really I quick. He, he defended the FTW belt. And he I, did. I can't even uh, think Matt Seidel. Matt okay, Seidel. That's right. That's right. Who is now um, teaming, now his new protege is Lee Moriarty. So we're going to see more Lee Moriarty teaming up with Matt Seidel, which I am not a complainer about. Sure. I would love to see Jay Lethal, too. Like, Jay what, do you Lethal... Think of that, uh, what do you think of that Jonathan Gresham promotion terminus? Uh, I don't even it's know like much grapple, about it. It's a grapple only um, promotion where they do like um, they do fight points. Oh, and and, and Moriarty's in it. Daniel Garcia did it. Gresham is like the head of it. Um, I think it's very very niche. Uh, yeah, I think like I think sure. yeah, I think they'll have an audience. But I think that this has been tried before, kind of like rounds and stuff to pro wrestling. And I think what they'll find is there's a struggle in terms of telling a story in three-minute rounds, you know. <laughs> well, I, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's rounds or it's minutes, like yeah. 20 minutes. But but like either way, only, something you're similar. You're allowed technical – like you're, you're allowed one technical foul. And if you do a second one, you automatically lose kind of thing. So like – Sounds like, like so the Ring of Honor wrong. pure title to me. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in that Ring of Honor crew that, you know, if they were in AEW, it'd be nice. But th- listen, it's getting pretty. We talked about this from the very beginning when we started our show when All Out was getting ready. It's getting kind of, you know, Crowded. the air is getting yeah. the air is getting thin up there, yeah. and the air is getting a little thin down there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where how much more room do you have for your roster? You know, it's it's getting crazy. There's got to be a point. And I don't want to. I don't want to foretell something terrible, but there's got to be a point where cuts are going to come down. Right. Where it's like, you know, you know, Ryan Nemeth, you've been good for us, but it's time to go on your way, kind of thing. Right. You know. Yeah. Like I, I think of like the one I think is like like a Joey Janela who was there right at the start, but when was the last time we saw him on TV? No, he's on. You know? He's in. A, he is in a hilarious feud with Matt Cardona on the internet. Right. Right. <laughs> and and. and more power to him for being able to work this stuff since he's not doing anything with AEW, you know? Yes. So, but yeah. Uh, okay. So I think we covered it pretty much everything. So the only tough thing about that is I don't have a, a nice little way to wrap this up and put a bow on top other than to say, you know, we're here every two weeks, rain or shine. Um, again, we are an AEW podcast. We do talk, you know, if there's major news and other stuff, we don't shy away from WWE or Impact or other things like that, but our bread and butter is AEW, and you know, we, we come together every couple of weeks to talk about what happens there, and uh, we're fans of the, we're fans of wrestling first. We're fans of this promotion as well, um, but I, I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed becoming a fan of all the little details again. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. when you're really into wrestling, you love reading that stuff. Like, oh, Cody Rhodes contract and stuff like that. Like. I got I had gotten to a point where I I, I could have cared less two years ago who whose contract was up because I didn't care because WWE is the only place for any of them to go anyways, you know. So I, I think it's cool now that even though we talk about you know the air is getting thin, 
they're still wondering, you know, like AEW still has the lights go out once every freaking show. It feels yes, like, you know, almost too much, including that, including that. Um, uh, it was late, late in that tag titles match where the titles change hands. It yeah. was very late, and there was no explanation. Yeah, it just I went think, out. And I then think nothing it had happened. something to do with Malachi because the Lucha Brothers had jumped. Had tried to defend yeah. um, Brian Pillman Jr. from getting beat down by Malachi Black, but it just didn't it didn't hit right. Yeah. Um. The only thing that was weird was um. If we have time, is that they I think they went home early on uh, the dynamite uh, that you talked about, and they had to stall for time. So they had something where they had like all the tag teams come out to like challenge yes. them. Yes. But what happened is they had Santana Ortiz and Malachi Black and Chris Jericho for some reason, and they were all just kind of sitting down, and they had these close-up shots, and it reminded me of, like, in an NFL game where there's, like, a <laughs> blowout going on, and everyone just looks completely depressed, where Santana and Ortiz were just sitting there like, why are we here? <laughs> Chris, Chris Jericho looked like the drunk guy at a game who spots himself on the Jumbotron. Like... <laughs> Like, he yeah. saw that he was on camera and like smiled and waved almost, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think they went home early. I think it was because of the injury, but I remember that same thought. Like, it was almost like a, "Oh crap, we got two minutes left. Get all the tag teams out there." That so, was not good shit. No, it was not at all. And it was like you said, everyone just kind of like blank stares. I don't know. I guess they're trying to impromptu do something big, like, "Oh, there's a big switch, and now." Here's all the people who want to come for you, but didn't come off that way at, at all, which is a rare miss, I think. Um, yeah, but at least it, it probably uh, there's probably some good gifts out there that have come from it. Yeah. So. And then and then there's um and then there was the one thing that Andrade said to uh um to uh, uh he oh he was trying to talk to Sting, and it I know that out of context this sounds really really bad, but he tells Sting. Name your price for this little kid. <laughs> Andrade is doing stuff now backstage where he just wants he just wants everyone to help him because he's rich and he can pay them. Yeah. Which, which is like. actually like which actually sounds like everything about WWE. So maybe it's a rib. You know what I would but, love? For him to pay uh Brock Anderson to leave. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want your help, I want you gone. <laughs> Go get a haircut. <laughs> like a buyout. <laughs> yeah, go, go do some sit-ups. Since we're in the free agency sphere, yeah. yeah. Go do some sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get a Brock Anderson match, uh, too, before we come back. Uh, Brock and um, Sean uh, Lee taking on FTR. Yeah, so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where that goes. There is a rumor that FTR's deals are up at pretty soon. Yeah, you know, I feel like they're they, weighing their options. I feel like those are guys that just never seem happy wherever they're at. Yeah, they always yeah. want to be somewhere else. <laughs> and let me say this too about uh, wrestling fans that are like, I'm so tired of hearing about free agency and contracts. It should just be about the stories. I'm like, dude, I do an NBA podcast. The only exciting thing is free agency, <laughs> right? Well, and the season is the season is all like 75 percent of the season is like a formality. Right. Then there's the playoffs, which is sometimes random depending on injuries and such. Or bad matchups. And then there's free agency where just anything goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even, too, like, storylines are prohibitive. Not prohibitive. What's the word? Contingent on free agency. Like, you're not going to book a three-month program with a guy who's got five weeks left. 
Unless the free agency itself is a good storyline. Right. That's and we're gonna find that out really, really soon. And probably a lot of people are gonna know already about it by the time they listen to this. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. So by the time this comes out, we might look dumb. Cody came out and worked us all. If so, sorry. Uh, but if not, you know, uh, in, in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll be tracking all the Cody stuff. We'll be tracking all the uh, the the main stuff, the minor stuff, and all the fun stuff in between. We even watch. Well, I don't. Andrew watches Dark and tells me what I need to see, and then I'll track it down. <laughs> you know. So, um, but he he's not like a total glutton for punishment. He doesn't watch. What's the other one? Do, do you watch Dark? Dark. There's Dark. There's Elevation. Isn't there there's another one? Dark. Dark is the one that's taped in Orlando most of the time. I see that every now and then. And uh, then there's then there's dark elevation. Dark some elevation, of the yeah. some enhancement talents are pretty talented. Yeah, there, they, there was one there was one named Action Andretti, where I was like, oh, is that Mario? Mario's brother? kid. <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually pretty good. Like he had like he literally got forty five seconds. But the forty five seconds I saw was good. You know, well, it's like cameo in a movie. It's like you only get, you know, like Jericho said this one time to Steve Austin. It's like those that that minute of your time is your time. Yep. You know, because there's nothing promised. The next time you might get zero. Right. So you just got to make – Dr. Bird Baker did that. You just got to make the most of what you have. Yeah. So. I mean like how many careers have been made off of one little promo or one moment in a match? You know, like – Do you know the most famous thing that Perry Saturn ever did in his career? He, it was saying you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like here's a guy who everyone thought was a great wrestler and an ECW was this workhorse. And then he had a mop and a dress and said, you're welcome. And those were like the biggest, <laughs> biggest three parts of his career. <laughs> yes. You know? So, I mean, again, you talk to anybody who's, who's in the actual industry and they'll say a minute in the ring is, is more than, more than nothing, you know? So make, make the right. best of it. So, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's shark infested waters right now. You know, everybody, all these guys that are getting released, they're going to want those minutes too. So I think it's interesting because it makes people rise to the occasion you know might make for some nasty backstage stuff that we don't have to deal with but if it means everybody's gonna up their game i'm all white said this when he went to the wwf it was a shark tank yeah he thought he was going in like oh everybody it's brotherhood it's a family no they're there to cut your throat out they want your spot right yeah (laughs) i mean they're glad that everybody's making money but they want to make more money (laughs) the difference in wcw is that they they had politicians at the top that were so good at manipulating the situation to get their spot and keep it yeah. that almost like an empirical situation where you can never rise to the top. Right. Whereas in the WWF, you could get your way to the top at the time in the in the late nineties. You just had to, but you had to know how to use all the different machinations. Yeah. I feel like the WWE now is like it's an ever. It's yeah. at a point where it's like if you are not a if you're if Nick Khan literally has not does not know your name you are fired yeah, pretty much <laughs> pretty much yeah. so. i don't think tony khan works that way yeah, i don't like, think aew is that rigid i alluded to there is a point there is a saturation i agree yeah i i definitely think there's a point where you have to <coughs> but the only thing that's sure about me is nothing's for sure i agree yep and on that we will uh call it a night uh, thanks again. Ten episodes in, Andrew. I'm looking forward to the next ten. How about you? Yes, yes. This will be the WrestleMania 11 one of the of the. <laughs> so WrestleMania. This is our WrestleMania so. ten. What's this one? Is this uh, Yoko Brett or Brett over Yoko? Right. Yeah. 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 This is this is the part where Owen Hart is just staring at the person that he beat holding the title. Yeah. So <laughs> so. 
<laughs> which is actually a great moment. I think that it's means, actually a great moment. I think that means it, on episode nine, you kicked my leg out from under my leg. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like uh, it's you know the Saints beat the Buccaneers twice, so if they win the Super Bowl again, I'm just thinking, jeez. <laughs> we beat these guys twice. Right. We own them. <laughs> that's what Owen must have felt like. I, we still haven't heard anything about the cup, so we'll see how that's going to go in the next month. Oh, yeah, the Owen Cup. I thought you meant the Stanley Cup that we were wondering about. So, oh, I don't know about that. Where yeah. is it? <laughs> I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe Novak Djokovic has it. I don't know. <laughs> if that's the case, it ain't going anywhere for a while, not until he gets a new visa. So. But all right, uh, for Andrew Reich, I well, am no, doing... if, if he's got man, that thing, that thing, oh, if that thing is dirty, then oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Djokovic is gonna have COVID and like fight. Oh yeah, <laughs> that thing probably just that's probably the source of COVID is the Stanley Cup. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> so hey, we're gonna wrap this up for Andrew Reich. Uh, I'm Jordan Duncan. We want to thank everyone at North South for letting us do this show for ten episodes. Hopefully, a whole lot more. And thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll see you in a couple. Get to you